Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up this morning for you early risers, we've got Joe Ingles on the way. Joe in D.C. It's the Jazz and the Wizards tonight. Joe's usually on Thursday, but with back-to-back games Thursday, Friday, he doesn't usually like to come on game day. So uh, we had him on late in the show Wednesday, and we'll get him for you early risers later this morning. Also coming up, Patrick Stevens writes for the Washington Post, covers college sports, Focused like a laser on college basketball. He will help you map out your brackets. But we start with the Utes and their star linebacker, Devin Lloyd. Could have gone to the NFL. Didn't. Why stay? What did a former Ute tell him? He gets into that in his media availability. Spring practice underway at the Utes. Uh, up with the Utes. Here's the Utah linebacker, Devin Lloyd, on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Devin, I think it's obvious that a lot of people expected you to uh, go to the NFL after last year. What were the reasons that you came back? Um, more than anything, I want to win. Um, I want to leave with a championship with a nice little ring on my finger and um, hopefully a couple rings. And um, I want to uh, bring guys along with me, too. You know, um, I love helping others. I've said that before. And um, I know this team wants to be great. Um, I know I'm not the only one on the team that wants to be great. And so um, I think just the collection of that, you know, just uh, my passion for the game as well. I know the NFL isn't going anywhere. Um, so uh, more than anything, I just want to kind of uh, cement a legacy here at the university and, you know, do a lot of great things here. And um, I knew I, I had an opportunity, opportunity to leave, but um, it wouldn't have been up to my expectations, uh, you know, um, as far as the draft, I feel like. Um, so, you know, I just felt like it was all around the best decision to come back and, um, just invest another year's way to look at it. And just a, a quick follow-up, did the the tragic loss of Ty Jordan have any impact on that? Um, I, I definitely took into play just because it did affect me um, a lot. Um, so it just, yeah, and it, it definitely came into play. Trevor Allen, followed by Josh Newman. Devin, you guys are stacked at backer now, especially bringing in three guys out of the recruiting class that are, are highly talented uh, guys. Um, how, how important is it now more than ever to be a leader for them, especially going into your last ride at Utah? Yeah, um, more important than ever, obviously. And, um, you know, I just try my best to be my best and set the example every day. And um, Those guys work their tails off every day. Um, and so – they make it really easy for me um, just to set the example. Uh, they want to learn. They want to get better. And, um, you know, I love those guys just for, uh, you know, just who they are and how they work. So uh, they make it easy on me. But, um, yes, it's, it's definitely important, uh, especially with a lot of young guys, to be a leader for sure. Next we'll go to Josh Newman, followed by Steve Bartle. Hey, Devin, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. Um, as you went through the decision-making process for the draft, did you lean on any former teammates? Obviously, there's a you know a lot of defensive guys who have been there, gone through the process, wound up in the NFL. Did you lean on those guys at all? Yeah, I definitely uh, talked to Cody Barton and Francis. Their advice helped me a lot. Um, and it's just my inner circle, you know, the people around me that I trust the most, my family and friends, um, they helped me a lot because it was, it was definitely a stressful decision. Um, I, I guess a lot of time into uh, thinking about it just to make sure I was making the best decision for myself and my future. Um, but Francis and Cody uh, definitely helped me um, and, you know, gave me some great advice. Francis and Cody specifically, are you able to share maybe what, what type of, uh, of advice they gave on this process? Um, I can remember uh, vividly uh, what Cody said and the way he uh, essentially put it was, um, 
would you rather have somebody give you a million dollars right now or $5 million uh, in a year from now? And um, that kind of uh, resonated with me just in terms of like uh, the investment part aspect of it um, as far as financially, because obviously money is a huge factor um, as well, aside from uh, just winning. And so, I mean, you have to play it smart. And so um, from that aspect, that definitely helped me because um, I, I was really leaning uh, heavily to coming back but, um, you know, you got to look at it from all aspects as well. And so um, he, he definitely gave me, gave me some advice just seeing the whole perspective, um, you know, as far as, you know, uh, on the field and off the field. Next up is Steve Bartle. Morning, Devin. Morning. Uh, um, we'll just be curious, you know, you talked about the investment would you rather have a million dollars now or $5 million a year from now? Um, you know, what are some things that you're working on in your game that you're, you, you know, you want to get better at? Um, my strike and then taking is what I call it, but um, basically just eliminating all hesitation in my game. So striking, separating, you know, uh, in the box, getting off blockers uh, with ease and using uh, my God-given abilities to separate and then, um, just taking so just absolutely no hesitation whenever it comes to uh, coming downhill and making tackles um, and really just running through people's souls <laughs> so you know I mean it's going to be a fun year for sure but that's what I'm emphasizing this spring and then just to, to, to follow up you know with the, the difficulty uh, with the difficult season that you guys just went through um, you know with all the COVID, protocol, uh, COVID protocols and everything like that just how proud of you are, how proud are you of this team and, um, and just the guys for having gone through it and now coming back and, and just your, your focus moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I said, it. you know, a whole lot, um, these, these guys, um, want to be great. And, you know, I just, I love the team and everybody for that. Um, they, they take pride in what they do every day and, um, everyone, there's uh, the most self-motivated guys, especially for a group of young guys that I've seen. So um, we're only going to continue to get better every day. But, um, you know, I love this team. And, uh, you know, I, even, I tweeted that. And, you know, I, I really meant it. You know, I hear what I say. So um, I, I definitely love this team. And, you know, just the, uh, the mindset everyone has. Next, we'll go to Josh Furlong. Yeah, Devin, spring is obviously a time for, for people to develop and, and kind of get back into the system, obviously, a few months before you start. But, you know, in retrospect, you know, how how important is spring knowing that you didn't have it last year and obviously your season was delayed? And, and kind of what, what do you go into this season knowing that, you know, even though COVID's still around and everything like that, like how exciting this can be now to get back into maybe a more normal sense of, of life? Yeah, spring is definitely important, um, especially for the young guys is, time of the year where mistakes are okay to be made. Um, you know, you can go out and just really just play as fast as you can, uh, you know, without the worry of worry or stress of, you know, if you do mess up, you know, it's not necessarily okay, but it is okay just because it's, you know, this is the time that you want to make mistakes. So um, it's definitely important for the young guys uh, and just get everyone, uh, you know, up to speed as fast as you can. And so um, I, I would say uh, it's extremely important and, just um, as far as, you know, not having spring last year versus having it this year, it's only going to help us, you know, even more uh, just because uh, it's, you know, 15 more practices that we had than we did last year. So it's only going to help even more. 
There's Utah linebacker Devin Lloyd. When we come back, Patrick Stevens from the Washington Post. Is Gonzaga going to run the table and go undefeated? Will the Pac-12 get a team to the Sweet 16? Will the Aggies and Cougars advance? Who will BYU play? Many questions for Patrick Stevens, and we will get to them next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision has given you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Patrick Stevens. He writes for the Washington Post. He covers college sports, the NCAA tournament. March Madness is upon us. You have brackets to fill out, and Patrick is here with sage advice. Patrick, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are you? Good. I've loved March Madness since I was a kid. I have filled out brackets since I was probably in junior high. But there is so much basketball on TV. We got to watch the NBA. We got to watch the Jazz. We got to watch the other top teams in the West. And we got BYU, Utah, and Utah State to watch. I can't possibly follow these other conferences in the detail you need to know what you're talking about when it comes time to fill out a bracket. There aren't enough hours in the day. Are there enough hours in the day to you for you to follow how many college teams and conferences? <laughs> there, there, there are enough. Uh, thankfully, uh, thankfully, being being stuck at home here for the last year or so has kind of allowed me to alter my schedule a little bit. And I'll tell you what, I watched a ton of Mountain West basketball this season because the way the schedule worked out, I feel like one of those four good teams, whether it was San Diego State, Utah State. Colorado State uh, or uh, or Boise State was on TV seemingly every night, so plenty familiar uh, with those teams in particular, and, and obviously seen a lot of other uh, throughout the throughout this past season. All right, I think that Kata is an NBA player, and they've got a nice just collection of role players for the Aggies uh, as far as that goes. And Craig Smith is a dynamic coach, but with that in mind, what do you think about them being able to win a game? Because it's been a while. It has been a while, and, and you know, I, I, I look at that matchup, and Texas Tech is, is one of those teams that is, it, it's been up and down uh, for sure. Like, it seems like they, they can never, if they get one, they're going to get two or three probably, uh, but it's just as possible that they, they get bounced in the first round. Uh, you know, Mac McClung, the Georgetown transfer, uh, is kind of a dynamite presence for them. Uh, and as for Utah State, like you say, Kate has uh, had a great season. And they play fantastic defense. I mean, this game, frankly, has the potential to be one of those 58-57, uh, grinded-out, low-possession type games. I think it's really one of the one of the true toss-ups in the first round. Uh, but it would not surprise me at all uh, if the Aggies are able to pull that one off and, and make it out of the first round for the first time since 2001. So, interesting about Texas Tech being up and down, because this is the kind of thing that I, I just can't tell you. I haven't seen enough. The Big 12 and the Big 10, you know, their fan bases can argue about who's the best conference, but both those conferences are pretty deep. 
and they better be if these teams are going anywhere. Texas Tech tied for sixth in their league. Michigan State's ninth in their league. Now, are they down there because they are up and down, or are those leagues legitimate, r- legitimately really deep? And these teams are tested every night, and there are no off games for these teams. Well, I, I think it's, it, it's a stretch to say there's no off games in the Big 12 or the Big 10. In the, in the Big 12, you've got an Iowa State team that went 2-21 and 21 and went 0 for the league. You've got Kansas State which I think won four conference games and struggled. Uh, and you look at a team like a, like a Texas Tech that went 9-8 and eight in the conference while well, it swept Iowa State and it swept Kansas State, and there you go. We've just accounted for almost half of those conference victories. So, uh, you know, I think some of the teams at the top of the Big 12 are, are really exceptional. Baylor, uh, Kansas played well down the stretch, Oklahoma State, uh, and Texas for sure, and West Virginia. A better version, I think, of Texas Tech being up and down. Over in the Big 10, I think in the Michigan State case, it's, it's kind of a, a situation where they just weren't very good for a month or so, and, the, and their offense wasn't right at all. Uh, you look back at February 2nd, they were 8-7. and They've had a pause of a couple weeks, uh, and since then they've played exceptionally well. So, yeah, they're, what, 9-11 and or so in the league, uh, but they were 2-7 and at one point, and since then they've beaten Illinois and Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, and they're a much better team, I think, right now, than they are in aggregate for the season. Uh, I'll also say that those top four or five teams in the Big Ten are really, really strong uh, and will all have a chance to make multi-round runs here uh, in, the, in the weeks to come. So with that being said about the Spartans, then I assume you've got them advancing in the what we call as the play-in game traditionally and playing BYU. Yeah, I, I like Michigan State a lot more than I do a UCLA team that is has sputtered down the stretch. I think it's four losses in a row for them. Uh, and not the bad teams, all four teams that are uh, in the tournament, uh, Colorado, Oregon, USC, and Oregon State, but, but they're a team that just hasn't really accomplished a whole lot. When you look at their, their overall set of accomplishments, they beat Colorado at home, they swept Arizona, and there's not a whole lot else there. They're, they're really a, 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 a team that's hard to figure I think Michigan State gets through uh, and then starts to put the Tom Izzo rule to the test. You look back at Izzo's record at, at the, in the second game at a site in the NCAA tournament. You might get two of those here this weekend, potentially. Uh, that's a, that's going to be a tough haul for the Cougars, but I do ha- happen to think that BYU, especially given how well it played in that first half against Gonzaga and how it largely avoided any sort of missteps throughout the season, uh, that, that that's a team I think is going to be a really tough out as well. I think a BYU Michigan State game would be one of the best second round, or best, I guess that's technically first round, uh, but would be one of, along with that Utah State Texas Tech matchup, would be one of the better games. You guys are kind of lucky out there having, having a couple of those really high end matchups in the first round. Patrick Stevens joining us. He writes for the Washington Post. He is paid to watch college basketball. Good gig. So I'm curious, when you're watching all the late-night games from the Mountain West, I assume you watch a lot of late-night Pac-12, and they got five teams in, which is good, certainly better than they've done in some previous years, but how many of those can get to the Sweet 16? None of them are seated to get there. UCLA and Oregon State, I don't think anyone expects to see them in the Sweet 16, but the other three teams, you know, if you're in that you know, five, six, seven range, you might make it. Are you penciling anybody in to get there? Yeah, I, I think if there's somebody that I'd like to be able to, to do some damage, it might be Colorado um, out of the whole bunch, although a potential second-round game against Florida State's a little scary. Uh, the Seminoles basically have a – it feels like they have a, a, a roulette wheel that they spin every game. And which of these 
13 or 14 players is going to pop up and score 14 points in a game. Uh, you really don't know with them. Uh, I, I do think it could be a, a first weekend wipeout for the Pac-12. Like you say, Oregon State 12 seed. Don't think uh, too much of UCLA. USC's the wild card. I mean, you look at them, they've, they've definitely got one of those teams that, that looks great. It's one of those airport, all-airport teams. Looks fantastic. <laughs> and Evan Mobley is going to be you know, one of the top five or so picks in the NBA draft in all likelihood. Uh, but that's another team that's inconsistent. And it's very possible that they get bounced by Wichita State or Drake, let alone Kansas the next time out. You know, I think the best team in that league is probably Oregon. They won the regular season. Uh, but having a, a matchup with Iowa potentially in the second round is a, is a tough, tough draw for the Ducks. Gonzaga obviously undefeated. How much of a burden do you think that carries? Because it's like with them, unless they win it all, even though they've been a really just a phenomenal program for so many years, it's like, yeah, well, see, I told you. They play in a lousy conference. They're really not that good. I don't know if it's so much a burden. I think the interesting thing, and we saw this in the WCC final, is it's not like they've been tested here for the last few months. You know, how do they react to suddenly being in trouble? And they reacted pretty well to BYU. They basically found their defense there in the second half of that game. I think you know the interesting element of their bracket. So you know, you have Virginia, Iowa, Kansas as the other three teams in the top four seeds, and Gonzaga's already beaten all those teams. So does that make them feel better about their draw, or is it a situation where those teams, and they could, they could run into as many as two of them, are those teams going to feel like they know what's coming, even if it's not something that you can deal with very easily, at least you have an idea what's coming. Uh, you know, to me, I, I do think Gonzaga is you know, one of the top two or three clear-cut teams in the field. If you're sitting there saying, are you going to take X number of teams in the field? I mean, the question kind of is Gonzaga and Illinois and maybe Taylor versus the field, but I think with three guys that are you know popping up on all American teams in Kispert and Timmy uh, and and, uh, and Suggs with fantastic freshmen, uh, it, it is going to be a disappointment for sure if this team is not standing at least going into the Final Four. And I I think pretty clearly the expectations in Spokane are to are to snip the nets on the final night of the season. So, filling out your bracket. Not one of your ten brackets. Your bracket of integrity. Your most important See, I bracket. Don't, I don't fill out brackets. I found that it's better to, better for me not to do that uh, in terms of being able to enjoy the tournament and cover it more effectively. Okay. But if you want some advice, I'm happy to give some. And that's exactly what I think our listeners want. Who should they put in their final four? Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I think I would go with Gonzaga out of the West. I think that's, that's the team to beat there. Uh, you know, the, the, the South is kind of the tricky bracket for me because I could see that thing getting blown up in any number of ways. Um, you know, I think Baylor could have problems, for example, with North Carolina in the second round. I think Arkansas uh, might have the clearest path uh, and, and then produce kind of an interesting team, too. Uh, so if you put me on the spot, I'll, I'll give you Arkansas there, but I don't feel great about that regional at all. Uh, in the Midwest, I'll go ahead and give you Illinois. I think it's a possible Illinois-Oklahoma State Sweet 16 game. The Brad Underwood Bowl would be fantastic. Uh, and then in the East, you know, I think Michigan without Isaiah Livers is going to be vulnerable throughout. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a bracket that they could get blown up in any way possible. I'll, I'll take Florida State there just because I look at Michigan, I look at Texas, I look at Alabama. Those are all teams that have very high, you know, there's a very high risk-reward element to them. Uh, a team that could create some problems in that bracket in particular is the seven seed. 
Connecticut with James Booknight. They've just been a different team since he's gotten back and healthy. Uh, and he's, he could be the latest guard that carries UConn deep, deep into the tournament. Have you heard any rumblings about all these coaching vacancies who might be interested? No, no, I'm not, I'm not much into the rumor mill. Sorry. Steer clear of that, huh? So if uh, if you're looking, and, and maybe UConn is that team, if you're looking for the team that isn't seated that well, that can make deep run into the tournament, who are you looking at? Well, again, let's go region by region here. I think in the West, UC Santa Barbara is, it has been gifted kind of a spot there that is favorable. They get a Creighton team and a little bit of turmoil in the 5-12 game. Uh, you don't know whether Virginia is actually going to you know, make it to the, to the start, starting line uh, right now. But Santa Barbara, uh, with Ja'Cory McLaughlin, the Big West Player of the Year, uh, has lost only once since New Year's Day, a, a team that's not hard to like. Um, you know, Winthrop, the 12th seed in the South, has only lost once. Chandler Vaudrin has three triple doubles. They draw Villanova, who's down at starting point guard in Colin Gillespie. I think they can win at least one game and, and maybe multiple games in that South bracket. Uh, in the Midwest, I think Syracuse, having slipped in, is really dangerous. They've been playing well. I mean, on paper, they're profiled. I don't think that they should have avoided a play-in game. I didn't even have them in, but I can understand the appeal to them. But subjectively, you know, they beat Clemson, they beat Carolina, uh, and they nearly beat Virginia all since the start of the month. And the last time that they barely avoided a play-in game was 2016. Uh, and they, with, a, with an assist from Middle Tennessee knocking off Michigan State, they ran all the way to the Final Four. Uh, and then in the East, if you want a team uh, that has a chance to, to do a little bit of damage, you know, it could be that Michigan State team if, if they can catch fire. I don't know if they, if they can achieve the consistency necessary uh, to pull that off. Uh, another team that I like, I don't know if they can beat Michigan in the second-round game, uh, but St. Bonaventure is really well-coached, the Atlantic 10 champions. Uh, Kyle Lawson, the point guard, Oshuna Shuni, uh, the big man in the middle, uh, and Mark Schmidt, uh, really one of the underrated uh, sideline guys in the country. I, I think they have a chance uh, to, to really make a little bit of noise, uh, but they're probably going to have to take advantage of Isaiah Liver's absence from Michigan to make that happen. Patrick, I'll be honest. After you said UC Santa Barbara, I kind of blanked out. I am a gaucho, and we have one NCAA tournament win all time. I'll take two. I think you're gonna. Ha- I think come what is it Saturday? You're gonna have a second one to celebrate. Patrick Stevens, the Washington Post college sports guy, may he be right about the Gauchos. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks so much for having me, folks. All right, Patrick Stevens, you can read him in the Washington Post. There it is, PK. Put the Gauchos in your bracket. Make it happen. To you, I'm happy for you. <laughs> Grand Canyon, 15 seed. It could happen. If it does, I'll be happy for you. I have no interest. (laughs) You can't even fake it for radio? Come on, PK. (laughs) It would be cool for the program, for sure. But uh, I don't. (laughs) You're not living and dying with the Grand Canyon basketball. Personal uh, satisfaction with in that regard. I've been in this business too long. But it certainly would be cool. I mean, the, they well, we love 15s beating twos, no matter who they are. That's always that's always exciting. It's a game you got to flip on if you see it's close. I think for Grand Canyon, though, uh, the the bigger story is they want more. They mm-hmm. want to get in the West Coast Conference. Yeah, right. You know, it's a religious based uh, conference, obviously. Uh, I think Pacific is not 
but Pacific was established by the Methodists, if I remember correctly, whatever. But anyway, I think they would love to join the conference, and uh, you know they don't feel the football program, obviously. And actually, when you think about it, it would be a decent fit. And <clears throat> if I'm the West Coast Conference, I seriously consider it because their basketball program is improving. Uh, they got Drew there to coach the team, and. Uh, have that Phoenix market, yeah, smack dab the, in the in the. The two I've read about are Grand, yeah. yeah, Grand Canyon and Seattle, and there's good high school basketball players in, in both of those areas. So uh, that makes sense. I don't know if they want to go to twelve, thing, but but d- d- to get to go down there and have that opportunity, uh, they would, in my mind, they would automatically be in the top half of the conference because they care. It matters. And that ought to get them over a lot of teams really yeah. quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not just something that we have because we have it. It's they have it and they want to win. They want to win at the highest level, and this is their first opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament. So that's a big story there. I saw a thing that uh, they listed uh, the top coaches, all the all well, all the coaches in the tournament. So sixty-eight, where they ranked, they ranked them according to their playing ability. <laughs> and Drew, who uh, you know hit that one that that shot, who was it against Mississippi State? That yeah, they had the kid throw the ball, and then the kid yeah. just deflected it to Drew coming running down the right side. He hits that shot at the buzzer. So does the swan dive right? Yeah, yeah. I think he was in the top five because he did play a little bit in the NBA. I think they had Mark Pope at four. And then, of course, they have Patrick Ewing, number one, because he's a Hall of Fame player. And I don't think that there's any other player or a coach who was a Hall of Fame player. Uh, so Craig Smith didn't get a good run. He was way up in the 60s. I don't think he had a very uh, distinguished playing career, but so far he's had a distinguished coaching, coaching career. career. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the Joe Ingles Show. Joe Ingles coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles joined us late in the show on Wednesday. A few early risers, we replay it now. He'll drop a last night on Boston. Trust me, he knows what day of the week it is and he knows when they play Boston. But he wanted to go on a little early this week because they get the back-to-back Thursday, Friday. He doesn't usually like to come on game days. Prefers the day off. So, the Jazz do play the Washington Wizards tonight. They're 10 games under 500. This is a great chance for the Jazz to uh, pick up a win. So, here is Joe Ingles with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show <laughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. 
The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. It's the longest-serving credit union in Utah. Cypress Credit Union is here to help with all your financial needs. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles to his own show. Joe, good morning. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> Trapped in your hotel room, first in Boston, Boston, now in Washington, unable to walk around some of those walkable cities. You sound a little depressed, Joe. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not as fun as it used to be. We had to go out and eat and do it, like you said. I mean, we can. I think we're allowed to go for a little quick stroll out sneak out and get out and for for a quick walk but yeah not much uh not much going on a lot of testing and a lot of sitting in the room you have that cross-country flight the other day uh, when Terrible. you guys are uh, yeah, i was gonna ask you what do you do on in that situation because you're cooped up in the hotel now you're cooped up in a plane for a that's probably the longest trip you've you've been on as an nba player yeah it was uh I think it was like five and a half or something like that, five forty yeah. or something. They end up taking. Um, we could have just kept going the other way and going to Melbourne. It would have been uh, <laughs> back home. Would have been able to see see some family. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, everyone does different stuff. Guys are obviously watching movies and stuff. We played cards for a little bit, but um, had a sleep. It was like it was one of those. It was like flying to Australia. Where you can do like twenty different things, and you look at the time, and you still got two hours left. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it was obviously a bit of a, a kind of weird scheduling. Um, obviously, it had to be done for whatever reason, and you just make it work. So I think the decision to f- we could have obviously flown after the game, but we would have got in at a ridiculous hour. So we stayed the night and flew the next day, and. Um, yeah, end up obviously kind of working out all right. I think guys felt decent. Um, I don't think everyone, anyone felt great after getting off the flight and doing all that. And we got in really late. Um, well, not really late, but, but late in terms of leaving the hotel at nine or something and getting in at six. So it was a full day of travel. And um, to come out and play well yesterday was, was good after that. So uh, I'm curious, as a guy who grew up with grandparents who didn't have TV, didn't have video, uh, they played a lot of cards, and as a kid, I played about 100,000 different card games. Cribbage, rummy, gin, gin rummy, uh, hearts, spades, I mean, go on forever. What, what is the card game of choice? Uh, it's actually called Bure. It's a kind of version of spades. Um, I don't exactly know the difference because I'd never played spades. I only got I got introduced to Bure as a as a well, not young guy as a NBA player. Um, so yeah, everyone says to, like anyone that you try and teach the game to, everybody says, "Oh, it's like spades," which I've never played spades, but I guess it's like that. So um, more honestly, more of a time waste than anything <laughs> else. I think for a lot of us, you. Like I've I've sat and played cards for for a long time now at the table, and some of honestly, like some of the best conversations and stories and stuff like that I've ever heard has been sitting at that table. So um, we we honestly play for for fun. I've sat there and like Joe Johnson telling crazy funny stories. Like anyone anyone that's kind of it's obviously on on our plane. There's I think there's two tables where four guys can sit around. So just to 
sit, honestly sit with the guys and, and talk and laugh and it, it makes the five and a half hours go a lot quicker. So, um, yeah, it's fun. I don't want to make a big deal about one game and say, oh, my gosh, uh, the Celtic game was a must win. But I think it was important to win. How do you feel about that when you go into that game where you lost the game, you didn't play well and all that stuff? Do you, th- do you think of that mindset or do you just take it as another game along the schedule? Yeah, I mean, I don't think at this point it's, it wasn't like we were, we were down uh, 3-1 or whatever. Like it wasn't yeah. a must win. We didn't, uh, if we'd lost, we weren't knocked out of the NBA. Um, but in terms, like you said, like it's important and obviously we wanted to get back on the right track and um, we hadn't played well um, for, for those kind of first two games, even the, the first game out of break um, against Houston. We obviously won the game, but we gave up a, a 20 or whatever point lead, but um, played well in stretches, I guess, there, but obviously to give up that lead and then Golden State was probably more bad than good. So obviously coming into this one and, and obviously like Boston's a, a really good team too. So I think just making sure, um, and that's where I think the the long flight and the long day and all that can or could easily be a distraction. And oh well, we we did have a a long day of travel, a full kind of full day of travel. It's it's easy to chalk it up as a, a bit too like kind of a little bit too hard and, and move on to the next one. But I think everyone, obviously, the way we played those first two games, we we wanted to kind of flick the switch a little bit and 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 just get rolling a little bit I, I think I don't think we'd played I think we shot 43s I don't know if we'd shot 40 in those first two um, if we did it didn't feel like we did I think we played a lot more like ourselves yesterday um, on both ends of the floor defensively and, and offensively um, so yeah it was it was good to like I said kind of flick that switch on how we had played those first couple games and and again, get a good win against a, a really good team who's who's playing a lot better than kind of what they were at different times this year. So in the time I've been here, a lot of jazz players have come and gone, and you forget a lot of stuff, but there's usually a snapshot or two for each player you kind of remember. And I think when that time comes for you, what I'm going to remember is you <laughs> hitting a three in front of the opposing bench and more often than not, turning over your shoulder and telling them something as you head back down court. You did it again against the Celtics, and I'm wondering, when you do that most of the time, is it just for the sheer joy of talking trash to the bench? Is it because you know somebody on the bench and you need to specifically talk to them, or they've been yapping at you and we just don't know it, and you're getting in the second word because they fired the first shot? What was it against Boston, and what is it usually? Uh, usually it's A, B, or C. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't mind. L- last night, um, one of the young guys there was. Obviously, I, I think it was one of the ones Donovan or whoever threw it to me threw it high, and I just shot it from where it was. And they yelled something out, and I just turned and gave him a little wink. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's honestly different. Obviously, if there's a guy I know, I'm more than happy to say something to him. Um, obviously, it was a lot more fun when the bench was a bit kind of like closer in mm-hmm. the normal um, seating arrangement because there was everybody was right there um, when now you just get a couple of them right there so um, yeah honestly it, it, just whatever I, I, I think a lot of the time you 
I mean, if you're in that corner in front of the bench, you, uh, and it, 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 I guess it's the same on the other side when the crowd is normally there and there's courtside seats and they're literally like one large step away from you. <laughs> um, as they see the ball coming or whatever it is, and obviously uh, having a shot that looks a little funny and awkward probably doesn't help too. Um, but it's more of like a you go and catch the ball and they're yelling something to try and distract you or whatever. So just got to let them know that I don't get distracted by these people. <laughs> they don't bother me. So you also had something to say to the referee uh, during the game. I thought you got fouled. It's the kind of foul they sometimes call. Don't, I don't do that every game. You do, but this was a little different. And I know that uh, you know you're a vet now, and you've got a little bit of a rep, and you see them, and they see you because it's not that big a league, right? And so I'm wondering how much of it is just the emotion of the moment. You just say whatever, and how calculating do you have to be when you talk to ref? So a, you don't get a T. B, you don't get another bad call a couple possessions later because the guy's uh, mad at you. And C, possibly you even get the good call a couple possessions later because now he realizes what you saw and he's looking for it. How do you play that? Um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, I think it's different. Obviously, Golden State, I got, I think I got probably over-frustrated it. Um, the non-call or whatever it was, and I obviously got teed up that game. Um, and I don't enjoy getting teed up. I think sometimes, sometimes it can kind of, I guess, make a point or um, kind of fire your team up a little bit at the right time. And obviously, you know, you're giving up a free throw for it, but if it's the right time and, and all that, I think sometimes it can be effective. Um, I can't remember what I was talking about last night, <laughs> but... Uh, I mean, there was one position I remember walking out there a couple of times and asking them a question because it was, we thought Boyan was getting held, like he was holding his, or he was holding his jersey. And I was just trying to, like if, I think sometimes, and this isn't even on them or anything really, but just realizing that like a pull of a jersey can make more of a difference than they might think. Um like if he doesn't hold Boyan's jersey, he comes off a pin down and he's probably wide open to shoot it. He grabs his jersey and pulls up Boyan, kind of turns and looks at him or tries to push his hand off and it kind of like junks up that whole possession. Um, I remember talking to him about that one time. Like it, it might look like nothing, but it, it affects it more than I think they they think or like even the, the players think. Like it's, if Boyan doesn't turn and look and try and like hit his hand off or, or whatever, then... Maybe he comes off and he's wide open. Um, obviously, with Rudy and Fave screening, it's probably more of a chance he is wide open too. So, um, yeah, just I, I, obviously I'm going to stick up and support my teammates in every situation that I think is necessary. But there is a fine line, I guess, too. I don't want to. Uh, you don't want to be in there the whole game because they do. Sometimes they do. Like Zach, who teased me up the other night, was like, "Just stop!" Like, and I was like, "Well." It's not about just like stopping or talking or not talking. It's like, I thought you missed the call and I thought it was an obvious one. Like, and then the same thing happened down the other end. Like, and you caught, like, it's just a, so you got to be, you got to be smart with it. I've had, I've had a, a few, uh, a few ones that I've obviously gone too far and, and sometimes I just try and stay away. There's been games where I'm like, all right, I'm not talking the rest of the quarter. Like, I'm just not, <laughs> just going to mind my own business and see what happens. How much at all do you guys pay attention to the standings now? 
Uh, I mean, I couldn't care less, to be honest. Um, no, I mean, uh, I know we're up there somewhere. I'm assuming we're still first after the break, but I could be wrong. You are. Um, no, you're right. Oh, we are. Um, I live and die by him. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to live a sad, miserable life if you live and die by the standings. Thank um, you. <laughs> no, I think this. I mean, obviously, we, we, there was enough talk. Like, you, you hear it, you see it. Um, I don't jump on my phone when I get up each morning to check the standings and, and all that. But um, at the end of the day, like I said, have said before, it's first, second, fifth, like whatever it is. Obviously, you want you want to be, I'm not saying we don't want to finish the highest possible, win as many games as possible, but we want to be playing our best basketball at the end of the year. So, um yeah, if that's the case and we're top or we're third or whatever it is, and we are, it kind of is what it is. But, um, yeah, it's not a – we don't come in just saying that we want to finish. Like, it would be nice to finish top, but there's a, a lot more of a process of what goes on than just trying to finish top. So March Madness is a big deal here. College basketball is a di- big deal for you and for Rudy and for Bojan. You know, if you're a foreign guy, you don't have a you don't have a dog in the fight. But I'm thinking on these uh, plane trips, and you're on the road with nothing to do. That some of these guys who do have schools. I mean, Donovan's got to be quiet because Louisville's not in. Uh, but some of these guys probably have a lot to say about March Madness. Is there a lot about that uh, going back and forth on the team or no? Uh, there hasn't been too much yet, but I'm sure it'll heat up once. Uh kind of once it gets going. Um, I'm on the Baylor Bears this year. Um, <laughs> is that what they're called? Yes. Yeah, 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 you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You got it. You got it. Well, Roy, I assume this is Royce, right? Royce got you going? He's a Baylor guy? Lindsay? Well, yeah, Dennis? There's a way bigger backstory. Okay, yeah, let's hear it. One, <laughs> that's the one reason I didn't want to support them because of Dennis. I didn't want to... Um, <laughs> I wanted to be able to go against... like So I could argue with Dennis about something. and But... I, Baylor was actually one of the schools and probably, if not one of the closest schools, if I went to college, I was going to go to. Um, Scott Drew, who is still the coach now, was recruiting me, um, whatever it was, back in 1972 when I was a young fella. Um, <laughs> I actually would have been there with Epe if I decided to go, which would have been kind of cool. Um, but it, yeah, didn't didn't obviously go, but um, yeah, I just... I don't know. I don't St. Mary I don't think St. Mary's are in this year. Um no. I'd be surprised. I don't actually follow enough of it to know or not. I I know they used to because they had a bunch of good Australians, but since they lost yeah. the good Australians I'd be surprised. Um so yeah, I'm just I was like, screw it, I'll just be on the Baylor Bears this year. So I'm on Royce's <laughs> team this year. So how close were you to actually going to college in the US? Uh, about as close as you are to playing a game in the NBA. You know, once on the jazz floor, I did play in a charity game, and I hit a 17-footer, though. You got two points in your career. Yeah. That might get yeah. you a yeah. throw was there. Two, I think DJ was there, too. Uh, he can verify it. It's a fact. You nailed it, it down. You, just, you could probably get it. It was sweet. It was pure. <laughs> probably. Um, <laughs> no. Not, ten second? Not not too close um, obviously it was when we in Australia when we were at the AAS and there's about 15 of us deciding what we want to do and you can go college or pro and I think I was the only one out of our whole group um, 
and I'm talking like kind of Aaron Baines, Paddy Mills, all, all those guys were there with me. They all went to college. Um, I did listen to a few of the teams. There's only a few teams that I really listened to. It was St. Mary's, Baylor, um, a couple other ones. But, um, yeah, I just didn't, uh, I don't know, I just didn't want to do the educational part of it, which if I knew what I knew now, I probably would have gone because there isn't much educational part of it. Um, <laughs> but, no, I just, yeah, I sat and listened to them and figured out, uh, I guess what I needed to do schooling wise, I probably would have had to do a few extra classes and then um, obviously sit that test or whatever you have to sit to, to get in. And yeah. I just had no interest. So I was like, I'm just going to go pro and uh, didn't, uh, didn't look back at all. I, I, I loved my, my journey. So it would have been cool to, I guess, go and spend a year or something and just experience it to have the experience. But, um, I wouldn't change it for, for anything. So I am curious if St. Patrick's Day is a thing in Australia or not so much. Absolutely. You get to drink beer. Anything that you get to drink beer in Australia <laughs> is a thing. Mate. There it Fosters. is. Fosters. <laughs> yeah, not Fosters, but anything else. <laughs> 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 no, it's a... Um, yeah, it's pretty popular. I mean, it's. I'm saying this coming from a guy who hasn't lived in Australia since I was 12 years ago. Um, but no, it's always a. Most Australians will, will find any excuse to be able to go and have a beer and watch them. Uh, the AFL starts, I think, this week, this weekend. So everyone will be able to go to the pub and watch the AFL and have a beer and be very sensible. Are they going to uh, have fans at the AFL this year? How's that progressing? Or are they going to be more like NBA games? Yeah, I haven't. Um, I was actually I was actually thinking about that the other day. Um, we are basically completely open in Australia and have been for a while. There's been a couple mini kind of lockdowns, but <laughs> it's it's funny. I I laugh a little bit about it because they were talking like on the news. I think it was a few weeks ago, we're down to like X number of of cases or whatever, it's three or 400, whatever it was. And obviously that's good from where we were in the thousands um, a little while ago, but still, that's still a decent number. Um, and I think it was about two weeks ago now, a week or two ago, <laughs> Melbourne, I think it was Melbourne had one case and they shut the borders to Melbourne for like three days to like, um, what do you call it? like slow the slow the spread or whatever one one person and mm. they shut the borders so they they obviously they take it which I, I mean honestly I think that's probably a little extreme like they they take it that serious I, I feel like that's I could see if you have a flight come in and there's like a hundred people or eighty people on the flight and and they're all going landing and going to their respective places from there it's a little bit different but they had like it was like one or two cases and they shut down the the city for a few days so we we take it serious and um which is obviously why on the flip side new zealand as well i think new zealand was probably the best at how they handled it but um yeah we're we're completely open i see my friends at restaurants and bars and sporting events so i don't know what 
our AFL stadiums in the two in Melbourne, one holds a hundred thousand, the other one holds like sixty thousand. Um, so usually they're not they're not sold out, but they're usually on a like a regular weekend, kind of probably seventy percent filled, depending on who's playing. Um, so you're talking like sixty, seventy thousand people um, going to the game. So I don't know what the numbers are if they are having kind of no restrictions on it or if they will limit it just to be safe but I mean off the, I mean, without reading anything I would say it would be pretty open um, the NBL the basketballs had crowds um, so yeah it would be, be interesting to see hopefully for their sake for the players sake they, they have some fans there well Joe as always we appreciate it hope we brightened up your day sitting in a hotel room for you know 20 you minutes did. jazz you fans did. hanging on your every word it was the it was the greatest thing on the trip so far. Yeah, that is a sad trip. Then you're right. <laughs> Sorry about that. Maybe a little bourree on the plane. That'll that'll spark Maybe. things. Yeah. When do we fly? No, we got a game first. Yep, you do. We play. Yeah, yeah. I got to play a game before. Play yeah, and then up. you're gonna go to Tampa Bay for the first time. You haven't been to Tampa Bay for the NBA, for the. Uh, for I the have NBA. literally no idea where that is. <laughs> it's close to Orlando, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be cool. I don't know. Yeah. Is it is it cool? It's uh yeah. I've never been there, but uh yeah, it looks good. There's a lot of water, it's Florida, there's the ocean, the temperatures ought to be nice for the you know, twelve minutes you're allowed outdoors. <laughs> so my hotel will be nice. There That'd you go. Cool. Yeah. All right, thanks, Joe. No worries. Thanks for having me. Joe Ingles Show, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and it is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union, where your future is our future. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Well, the Jazz are back at it tonight in Washington against a Wizards team coming off a defeat. Last second loss to Sacramento. Wizards now 11 games under 500. Jazz are going to be without Mike Conley, who missed tonight's game for the Jazz due to hamstring management. PK, we have multiple questions up being debated on our Facebook page, and one of them, Mike Mike Conley out for the Wizards game. How much do the Jazz win by? People are pretty confident. Oh, they should be. I mean, I think this is sort of sending a message. You know, it's back-to-back tonight and tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I think by the Jazz resting Conley for the hamstring management, hammy man, as I call it, that uh, that basically they're saying, uh, we believe you're the lesser of the two teams here, Washington and Toronto, so we're going to rest him now because we think our chances of winning tonight are better without him, and then we'll take our chances tomorrow with him. That's the way I read it. So it's if Washington wants to read it that way, I wouldn't blame them. But what are you going to do about it? And the facts are the facts. Yep, that is how they read it. It does split the days off. He's got two days now off before he plays and two days off after he plays. And I would think those are the two considerations. But I think the main one would be what you said, which is lesser of the two teams. And by record, you can't really argue with that. So we'll see how it plays out because in any one game, anything can happen, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. 
Game tips at 5 o'clock tonight. Jazz with a win would move to 30-10, and 10, be back to winning 75% of their games, which is a little over a 60-win pace in a full season. Game tips at 5, Jazz game night. The pregame show starts at 4 o'clock with Jake Scott and with, and with uh, Tim Lacombe. And so that'll be at 4. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Well, we've been talking about the big dogs in the West winning a lot lately, but not for the Clippers last night. Luka Doncic went off, and the Dallas Mavericks beat the Clippers. Doncic 42-9. Mavericks win 105-89, and PK sometimes scores are misleading late runs and all that kind of stuff, but Dallas was really in control of this game most of the way. The Clippers didn't have an answer for Doncic most of the way. This is just how this game was trending, and that, that final score is pretty representative of how things went. Uh, Doncic really is something else. I mean, all I can say, he really is a first-team all-whacker. I mean, he's just brilliant. And the Clippers stuck on 89 points, a little on the low end. Let's not ignore their lack of offense versus the the Mavs' defense. 89, that is a pretty tiny number in the NBA these days, especially for a team that averages about 25 points more per game than that. That is a poor performance. Nuggets, strong performance. They roll past Charlotte, 129-104. to Denver is now a half game in front of Portland as they go back and forth in the race for fifth. And they're closing in. They're only game behind the Clippers in the race for fourth. There was a break there. The top four had pulled away a little bit, but not so much with the Clippers uh, struggling here lately, four and six in their last ten. Nuggets are hot, eight and two in their last ten. They are closing that gap. Right on. Other scores of interest, Bucks needed OT, a last-second shot to get there. They get it, and they end up with a win in OT. They beat Philadelphia, two of the top three teams in the East. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 32-15. and 15. The Bucks knocked the Sixers off. Yeah, but no Joel Embiid. Golden State Warriors, they get the win. They beat the Houston Rockets, 108-94. Steph Curry, end of the third quarter, Stumbling backwards, falling on his tailbone on the steps and the stands beyond the bench. And he left the game with a bruised tailbone. We'll see how bad that is and how long he's out for. That was an awkward-looking play. You don't see that very often. Former NBA center Sean Bradley, former Cougar, suffered a traumatic spinal cord injury that left him paralyzed after being hit by a car from behind while riding his bike a block from his home in St. George on January 20th. He underwent neck fusion surgery. He spent the last eight weeks hospitalized and undergoing rehabilitation. Uh, It happened in January, only announced yesterday, released by the Dallas Mavericks, an official statement through the team. And that is uh, surprising and horrible news for Sean Bradley and his family. I know of so many people who've been in bike accidents. I mean, Kirk Craigthorpe's sister-in-law, his wife's sister, got killed in a bike accident. And in fact, I know somebody else, a guy... Who I play in my men's league, his sister and brother-in-law got hammered in, down in Utah County, and she ended up dying. And the brother-in-law lived, but obviously was seriously uh, messed up physically and mentally, as you can imagine. Man, it's sure. just freaking crazy. Milwaukee Bucks and Houston Rockets swinging a deal. P.J. Tucker, the big name in the trade, leaving the Rockets, going to the Bucks. Bucks are sending DJ Augustin, DJ Wilson to the Rockets for Tucker. Forward Rodian Kurix. The key to completing the deal includes 
redirecting of draft picks the two teams had previously traded. So Houston's pushing back a 2022 first-round pick that Milwaukee owes it to the unprotected 2023 draft, sources said. And the Rockets get the right to swap their 2021 second-round pick for the Bucks. 2021 first round. Uh, pick. They say thing comes in threes, so I would like a three DJs. How about you? Put me in the deal? Man, yeah. a Bucks fan's going to be disappointed. Yeah, but Houston would be ecstatic. <laughs> so would everybody who plays Milwaukee. You can make a lot of people happy. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. All right, PK. March Madness gets going officially now. The first four games. And there are three games. And then the big one with UCLA and Michigan State. Drake and Wichita State. 427. That game is on... Uh, is that on TBS or TNT, Yuck? They're... They're split across True TV and TBS tonight. Okay, so it's TBS. Don't know. TBS for Drake and Wichita State. It's TBD, PK. Texas, Texas Southern, Mount St. Mary's, uh, App State, Norfolk State. Those are the H-C- True TV games. No, yeah, HCAC. Who? HGHC. Who gives a crap? I was going to say. Well, you do when H-G-A-C. you try to find the game. I'm not going to be watching those games tomorrow during the day. Not even close. I'll watch the night game because it'll affect the. Uh, Utah or BYU situation, but you don't want to watch I'm Appalachian like, State. I couldn't. No, I'm going to skip no. App State, Norfolk State. And then because by that time the Jazz game. Yeah, on. the Drake Wichita State game will go. What about Drake? It starts Bulldogs. like 30 minutes before the Jazz. 45 minutes. Good point. Nothing against the Drake Bulldogs and Wichita State's a little bit of a you'll, brand name, but yeah, you'll be Jazz over. take precedence. But you'll yes. be flipping over no, during commercial. We'll breaks. be flipping over to watch the Jazz. Yes. Uh, well, I won't be flipping over to watch the Jazz game. Is that what you just no, said? I no, said no, I'll we be will locked be. on the Jazz. Okay, good. We'll be locked on the Jazz. There we go. I like no, have a second I'll, game I, to flip to. Well, no, I'll flip over to what's going on with the Kardashians. First things first, keep your L.A. roots. UCLA, Michigan State tips off. Scheduled for 7.57, so 8 o'clock. Inevitably, it'll be a little late anyway. Uh, And BYU gets the winner of that UCLA-Michigan State game at 8 o'clock. Group of college basketball players competing in this year's NCAA men's basketball tournament are using March Madness bright spotlight to push for changes in NCAA rules and federal laws that will provide more protections and opportunities to make money for college athletes. Spearheaded by a trio of Big Ten upperclassmen, they plan to protest throughout the tournament on social media using the hashtag NotNCA Property. Host panel discussions with athletes and experts to discuss unjust NCA rules and ways to ensure college athletes are treated fairly. They did not indicate any plans to boycott games. Well, that's their biggest leverage right there. Oh, that would be stupid. Not doing it. <laughs> it's, that's my biggest leverage. It's also your biggest self-spite. I, I, I say go for it, man. Do it. Um, as someone who paid for, and I think I'm the only guy on the station, who paid for every cent of his college education, uh, I would hashtag free education, but that's just me. But I don't begrudge these guys from doing it. Why not? It's sort of symbolic. It's like putting a sign in your, your high on your hill mountain, top home, acting like you're actually doing something. Except putting a sign. That's all you're doing is putting a sign. Yeah, I'll give you all sorts of emotional support. How about you give me money and you sell your house and you go move to the other side of town where it's low income and help people out? You know, this is to me. I view it as symbolic. But why not? Sure. What do you got to lose? I think they should open it up and let these kids because they're already getting money. 
I mean, if, if you don't think that the top players are getting money, I, I can't I can't say it enough. You're 100% naive, but go ahead. I'd say let them do it and let these kids get as much money as they can. Because yeah. they think that that's what they want, and who doesn't want more money? I mean, everybody does. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Two civil lawsuits that have been filed against Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson alleging inappropriate conduct during massages on two separate occasions, two separate plaintiffs, both from dates in 2020. Told you about the first one yesterday, but now there is a second one, so we're going to sit around and wait for tomorrow and see if there's going to end up being a third one here and where this is headed. As for the signings, as for the signings, former All-Pro corner Patrick Peterson is signing with the Vikings on a one-year, ten million dollar deal. Kyle Van Oy signing with the Patriots, two years, thirteen point two million dollars for Van Oy to leave Miami and go back to New England. Many of these deals had already been rumored ahead of time, but now they can officially announce them. Deadline yesterday afternoon, so. Yeah, I think as far as the Patriots, you know, they've made a number of signings. And I think they used this last season sort of regroups here where they were because they had players opt out, players leave. It was a crazy season, obviously. They had some some cap hits to eat, too, but now they've done that. Next year, assuming uh, we're assuming it's going to be somewhat of a degree of normalcy. I don't know that we'll ever get there again, but nevertheless, it should be more normal. So it seems like, you know, maybe regrouping. I wouldn't judge the point I'm making long-winded is I wouldn't judge the Patriots' future based on last season exclusively. Uh, Yeah, I guess mentally I've established last season as kind of the floor for them and how much do they bounce back. I would expect some bounce back because there are a lot of things about last season that were odd, including the number of players they had opt out. So I'm thinking 7-9 and nine is the worst. Uh, Cam Newton back as quarterback for another year, and he did not throw the ball well at all, near or at the bottom in key statistical categories. Now, was he hurt and hiding some injuries? Is he going to be better just because he's healthier, or is he you know, basically all done? Should be a better team around him, so that ought to be worth something. Uh, you know, 7-9, if you win three more games, are you a playoff team? Now, the Dolphins did last year. They were 10 wins and didn't make it. Usually you make it with 10 wins, and they didn't. But I don't know that they can get all three of those wins back. See how it plays out. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bowlerjack at 8 o'clock. Carlos Silva Jr. covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders. The Lubbock Avalanche Journal, Texas Tech getting ready to play Utah State. He'll be on at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. March Madness is here, and now it's time to put that college basketball knowledge to the test. It's the Zone Bracket Challenge, where you can compete against the Zone hosts as well as Zone listeners. Oh my goodness! Log on now to 1280zonebracket.com to fill out your bracket for a chance to win a Nordic Track X22i bike. Valued at over $2,000 as well as other great prizes. It's the Zone Bracket Challenge, going on now at 1280zonebracket.com. Presented 
presented by The Store, SNS Roofing, Bullfrog Spas, and Elite Works. DJ and PK, Hot Takes of Toast is brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Cadillac owners may have changed, but luxury has not. Come see the bold new lineup of Cadillac at Jerry Seiner Cadillac today. Multiple questions to ponder today. Everybody's filling out brackets. You can do it at 1280thezone.com. Loyola Chicago superfan, Sister Jean, has picked BYU to go to the Final Four, PK. Was your heart all aflutter when you heard that? My heart's always all always aflutter. I thought so. Sister Jean has picked BYU to the Final Four. Do you believe in miracles? <laughs> BYU, the sixth seed to the Final Four. Six seeds are due. We haven't had a sixth seed in the Final Four in 29 years. That means nothing to me. <laughs> it really doesn't because the difference between a six and seven seed, and we've had a bunch of seven seeds in there. Long shots, six seeds and below, uh, one a year or every other year for about a decade here. And college basketball's really changed with so many leaving early, so so many players leaving early. So the teams that get old and stay old, maybe don't have the brand name, but they have a good team coached up. Your Wichita States and VCUs and Loyola Chicago's teams that have made deep runs, they haven't been seeded great. They make noise, not deep runs, noise. Make noise. I, I think that Larry Kristowiak nailed it a few years back. He said, well, you got to start it somehow. That's how they start it. But once the ball goes up in the air, it's not about your seed. It's about who plays better and as well as, well as they can in that particular game. So I'm not really interested in the seeds. The seeds add to the drama. But seeds don't determine games. Talent determines games. So BYU to the Final Four. Sister Jean. Not Billy Jean. Sister Jean. Famous Jeans. Ready? Go. Sister Jean. Scott says this would be huge for Catholic-Mormon relations. Nice olive branch from Sister Jean. Well, I mean, this is this, this is my expertise. I mean, I, huge for Catholic Mormon, Mormon relationships. I thought we had no problem with you people. Now you telling me there's something that we need to do more for you people? Because I'm willing to do it. I, I speak from a position of authority on this. I never played the game. We want the I would know chapel. a chip block from any block, but you know, H and R block and a chip block mean nothing to me. They're the same thing. But my mother's sister, my aunt, spent her entire adult life as a nun. When I entered high school, she bought me a desk that I still have to this day. 23 years later, I still have that desk. (laughs) Do the math, people. Stay with me. So I can speak to it. I thought we got I think we get along fine with you people. Is there some we need to further it? He's not coming from a position of there's an issue, right? I mean, we love you guys. We want the Sistine Chapel. You want it? Well, we'll throw it in that. What trade is this? The DJ? NBA? Yeah, the NBA trade <laughs> deadline. What do you you want it? I'm the. What G- are you going to trade? The Y on the mountain? What do you What do you got? We'll trade the conference center. How about that? I mean, I think we have a beautiful relationship between the two of us. So, if this helps, great. But Sister Jean, she's a nun. I know nuns. I went to school. I had Sister Mary of Perpetual Motion. She never stopped moving in the seventh grade. This is the best shape of my life. I had nuns as teachers. And I tell you a story. I went to St. Peter's. 
first six years, I don't have a teacher for a nun. There are none for a teacher. My uh, my mother complains. Seventh and eighth grade, I get a sister both years. That's crazy. Go to Catholic school, you'd think you'd get a nun for a teacher. I didn't get it until seventh grade after my mother complained. And then in the eighth grade, for seven years, I went to the same school. And the same kids, we had two classes per. Two first grade, two second grade, and on and on. And what they would do is they divided them between the smart kids and the dumb kids. Of course, I was in the dumb class. Senior in high school, government teacher says to me, what are you going to do with your future? I said, I'm going to college. He laughed. He laughed. Well, that's said, encouraging. No. Thanks. He said, no, be serious. Oh, jeez. That, that, that's a fact. That's go to college. Brutal. Go to college. Go to Arizona State. Took a, a broadcast editing class. It's, it's so prehistoric. The, the the whole department isn't even on campus now. It's downtown. Well, it was on campus then. And they had two studios. And you had to cut and splice the tape, put it together. The professor prefer- purposely made mistakes in broadcasting. You had to slice it, put it together. And they let you do because studio time, you had to sign up for studio time. It was valuable. They let you go in, in twosomes, right? So me and another friend, Brian, who was obviously in the class, we did it together. The exact same thing, and then you put it on a cartridge, and then you submit it to the class. The exact same thing. The ex- I mean, literally the exact same thing. Brian got an A. I got a B minus. It was literally the exact same thing. What vibe are you sending out? The teachers are rejecting you. <laughs> How about that? So in the eighth grade, they, they had known, and we, we knew. We had figured it out by then. We're in a dumb class. And they're in a smart class. So we would go out uh, during lunch. We didn't have P.E. But during lunch, we'd, have, we'd play sports. And we would purposely just try to kick the crap out of them. We'd play football, our class against your class. And we'd taunt them. Like, we may be stupid, but we're better athletically. I mean, this is real. I am not making this up. What kind of uh, twisted school did you go to? <laughs> At my elementary school, public school, Sunnyside Elementary in Benita, California. Hello. Teacher told me this, and I didn't know this, and I assume it was true in the previous years, but my sixth grade teacher said that they literally, there are about 90 kids per class, you had about 30 in a class, and he said they literally had a draft, and teachers picked the kids they wanted. I want so-and-so. It's like a fantasy football draft, but they were drafting elementary school kids. They were drafting 11- and 12-year-olds. I assume the second- and third-grade teachers were drafting 8- and 9-year-olds. I don't know how it worked. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. They had either. a draft. Was it a snake order? Like, yeah, somebody popped up, and he said, and he got mad, and they were mad. And he said, hey, I wanted you kids. I literally picked you. I drafted you. And I'm in the back thinking, well, you want some of us a little more than you want others. But I didn't say anything. Just spoke That up. didn't come up. But I'm like, well, somebody got picked 28th. <laughs> but well, I guess you wanted it more than the other five kids that were still on the board. I think the last two uh, were jazz fans. And they went next to last and last. That's that's the way that worked. I mean, <laughs> Rudy and Don, the Rudy and yeah. Donovan of the class. So my eighth grade year... They then they just went every other kid, so they split it up. So after going to the same kids, same seven years, then in the eighth grade, I only had half of them because they just started at A and just went right down to Z and just made every other one. So uh, 
it's, uh, so, you know, I know what about what it's like to be a Catholic. And Sister Jean is picking BYU. And Andy Katz interviewed her. Hard hitting. Way to go. I thought I was watching the late night talk shows. <laughs> now that we've had the presidential change. <laughs> I'm going to grill the 101-year-old sister now on her NCAA picks. Well, I, I just, oh, I kept them in the Elite Eight. Oh, and then I just for the Final Four, I just have Gonzaga, BYU, Baylor, and West Virginia. How about that? All right, there it is. BYU to the Final Four. That would be absolutely awesome. Going to be the Cinderella this year. Uh, Move over, George Mason. Would that be a Cinderella? Uh, a succeed? Oh, you and your freaking seeds again. Yes. Jeez. She goes on to say she doesn't pay attention to the numbers. That's why she she doesn't go by right. seeds. You and your, the seeds. Who cares what the seeds are? Uh, and I get it if you're a 14, a 15, a 16 – and you're playing these rinky-dink conferences that you get the automatic bid and you're just happy to be there. That's outrageous. But BYU's just not happy to be there. I mean, that, that, Yeah, but will they be happy to be there if they get to a Sweet 16? They'll be happy to They're be there. They're not going to be happy to be there when they walk out there for the first game. 16, Elite Eight, you'll be happy to be there every place, but that doesn't mean you're satisfied if that's what you're asking. Well, we'll see if they get there. But I think that's the that's the risk when you're when you're BYU and you don't have a history of going to Sweet Sixteens. Be a huge now. You know, if you're not coming back to campus and getting all the pats on the back, and they won't be this year because it'll all just be staying in Indiana. In Indiana. Well, it'd be a run that would have them facing off against Gonzaga in the Final Four. So a round four against the Bulldogs. The first Final Four in school history, you'd be happy to be there. <laughs> well, I mean, they made they made massive improvement from games uh, it's, it's, one and two to three. It's a good point. Play yeah, Gonzaga. Just making How the, about it. Making the Final Four would be incredible. Yes, it always is. But this, it's not going to be any less incredible for Gonzaga. It's not like they have a string of Final Fours. <laughs> How many PK? Count them up. Yeah, that would obviously be one. And there it is. Yeah. So of course, making. Every step you take is something to celebrate, but it doesn't mean you have to be satisfied with it. I mean, BYU, you got to give Pope credit as far as what he's decided to do immediately is get old and stay old. He's two for two in that category. I don't think there's any question about that. So with that in mind, you know, you have some level of maturity. I mean, just listening to Harm's talk on Sunday, he felt like you were talking to a 35-year-old guy about what he was uh, interested in and what he wanted to see happen. And Barcelo, yeah, these kids have been around the block. And that's the great thing about bringing in these older guys is that they have a lot of perspective, and their perspective has changed. And their perspective at this point is about winning. You know, and we've talked for years about how Dave Rose lost what he called the program players because their perspective really wasn't about winning. Their perspective was about, you know, where's mine? Gordon Hayward types. You know, Hayward wanted to shoot more. Let's just call it like it is. He wanted to be more of the offense. He wasn't. He was getting thirty some million dollars a year to play friggin' basketball, 
and he clearly wasn't happy in Boston. So he wanted more, and he got more. Now, the team isn't any better. They're about the same, but I would assume he's happier because he's jacking up more shots. Right? That's what he wants. He's still obscenely rich and will always be. And Charlie and Bernie and, and the kids there, good for them. They'll, they'll have that privilege that I, I'm supposed to have myself, but they'll have it, uh, and good for them. Well, you get these fifth-year seniors and these guys that Pope has brought in, you can tell they're about winning. And doesn't everything else is all secondary, and that's a great position to be in. So I think that's one of the advantages of what Pope is doing as far as getting old and staying old is that you can see it's all about what we can do, what I can do to help this team win. And maybe that can carry them a little bit more than their seed would indicate. The great thing about it is they'll have the opportunity. Question of the day. It's up at Facebook. BYU to the Final Four. Sister Jean picked him. Do you believe in miracles? Mark says, I guess we'll find out if Austin Collie is right when he said magic happens. He was right. He, he was wants, speaking from the past tense. He wants future. He wants Final Four magic happens to prove the point. Rick says, what's a Sister Jean? Come on, Rick. You know who Sister Jean is. That would be who's a Sister Jean. Brooks says, I believe in Sis Jean. And it's not Sis Jean. That's all disrespectful to nuns. It's Sister Jean. My aunt was Sister Marie to the world. To me, she was Aunt Marie. Great lady. She taught uh, the Four Seasons children. Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. You're just so good to be true. Have you heard of them? I have. They are North Jersey's finest. And they were the precursor to Springsteen and Bon Jovi and and Dana Owens, Queen Latifah from Newark. All those great musical artists that have come out of my home state. She taught their kids. They sent their kids to her school. Great, great lady. A mentor in my life. That's who Sister Jean has become. It's who is, would you rather be Sister Jean or Sister Golden Hair? (laughs) Bart tweets at us, that isn't going to happen. Oh, Bart. Bart is always a parade raider on. Bart, raining on the parade before the parade even starts. (laughs) Ray says, yeah, but that'd be a bigger miracle than Moses parting the Red Sea. That being said, hashtag go Cougs. It's a BYU fan who just isn't going to get his hopes up. He's not going to so get his wrong. hopes up. He's wrong. Moses didn't part the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea. Moses had the faith, but Moses didn't do it. Josh says even God would laugh when he saw that on the list of miracles he had to perform. Oh, I like how people talk for God. I knew you That's would. That's one thing I've never done. I've never talked for God. Mikey, uh, Mikey Scotty Toddy, says last year's team might have sniffed an Elite Eight appearance. This year's team will squeak by the first round and get dismantled in the second round. I hope I'm wrong. Go local teams. Rooting for all of you. Well, it's both of them, but uh, rather than all of you. Uh 
dismantled in the second round. So if I think they win a first round game, are they, are they calling it the first round or the second round now? I mean, they changed that. Tonight round. is the first four. Saturday will be the first round. Okay, that's things I think that's what they should do. Uh, if they win a first round game, I don't see them getting dismantled in the second round. They very well could lose, but there's obviously a difference between losing and being dismantled, right? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, is Texas going to beat them by 20? I mean, I assume that's they get the Texas Abilene Christian winner. I don't think anyone assumes Abilene Christian is going to be dismantling anybody in the second round. Abilene is Christian's the best Texas, three-point shooting team in the country. Is Texas going to blow them off the floor? Or is Abilene Christian going to just annihilate people a barrage of threes and just, hello, Sweet 16, we're Abilene Christian and we're here for the first time? Yeah, that would, that would be way more of a Cinderella, obviously, than the Cougars would be if they managed to get to however far they go. You see, the, the thing about it is I don't think they view themselves as a Cinderella. That, that's a great start. If you don't think so, that's why I said Pope, and you were joking about getting out the tape measure. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing that you do because that indicates that, wow, we have got uh, just a crazy task here, and we really are this prohibitive underdogs. I don't think they view themselves that way. I mean, you got a Harms kid who's played in the Sweet 16 and yep. Elite Eight at Purdue, and Barcelo goes to Arizona. Arizona right now isn't what they've what, what they've been, but they have been. When he went there, they were making regular appearances. So I don't think those guys have that mindset of you know just happy to be here type thing. They're not playing in the first four game. They're waiting for somebody coming out of the first four game. So you would think they'd have the attitude you're talking about. Yeah. Bring it on. Let's go. I think they do. And they've got a guy like Harms in the locker room. And he was and he was very definitive when they put him in front of the camera after the selection show. You know, okay. about yeah. the desperation you have to play for. Absolutely. If you don't win, the season is over. And his it, what he said was, but I think even more so, it was the tone. Yeah, you know, it was a great like, interview. I've been there. Listen to me, all of you who are wide-eyed and like, I've always wanted to play in the tournament. This is what it's like. I've played in it. Here's As I how said, it, I felt like I was listening to is. a 35-year-old yeah. man. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very pointed. All right, let's go to the phones, 855-340-ZONE. Matt is checking in. Is this Catholic, Matt? No. no oh, okay. Catholic. All right, I thought we were, thought we were getting a sports radio legend checking in again here. What do you got for us, Matt? Yeah, so I actually I have no clue who Sister Jean is. Um, don't really care what she says. But I have BYU going to the Elite Eight. It's going to be crazy if they do. Um, I have Abilene Christian upsetting Texas. So, you know, hopefully that happens. Probably not. But if BYU went to the Final Four, all I know is I would probably black out and we don't know if I would be responsible for whatever happened after that. But um, go Cougs. See you guys later. All right. Blackout. Not responsible for whatever I do. When he said blackout, I assumed like pass out and just hit the ground, at which point I would assume you wouldn't do anything. But I suppose you could just, you know, completely lose your mind, yet stay conscious, and then, yeah, I don't know. True. Did you ever pass out? I have passed out. Yes, I have passed out. Heat exhaustion. It's not a, fun. Uh, 
Really, really crazy, wild feeling. It really is. Yeah, don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> Tipped but over wow. on my 80-whatever-year-old aunt. <laughs> just everything was, and it was. I was I was overheated, dressed poorly. It got hot, and it had been cold, and I had on the sweater, and the room was hot, and I just tipped over sideways. What just happened? And dragged me outdoors. I thought you might tell us. Well, tell me about yours. Let's go. Yeah, it's personal. Oh, okay. No, it's just very quick. Uh, some uh, handymen were coming in, and they knocked on the door, but they opened the door, and I got up, and then I uh, I passed out over the arm of the couch, and I was getting ready to work out, and and then they brought me to, and I went. I started to go to the gym. They got in front of the door and barred me from going to the gym. <laughs> no, 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 not you, dude. <laughs> you just so passed out. You gotta... It's not Katie bar the door. <laughs> handyman bar the handyman door. Handyman bar the door. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun. I said, no, no, I'm fine. Oh, I, I told you about my sister. That was freaking wild. Mine and mine was like, I don't know, maybe maybe a minute or two. Just I got up too quick. Boom, the only time. But my didn't I tell you about my sister at the at the Angels uh, spring training game? That, uh, if you did, I don't there. remember. Yeah, we're sitting there. It's just a few years ago. Uh, sitting there, and uh, it was hot. It was because it was a uh, Final Four Saturday, so it was right towards the end of spring training. So it was, we were excited to be down there. I got some tickets, and I got uh, free tickets, used my connections, so I brought my sister and her guy. And we're sitting down left field, and she's sitting next to me. And the place is packed. It's bleacher seats, and it's just jammed, and it's hot. And she, like, leans over, and I thought she like, leaning over to tell me something. And then she falls, kind of just, just melts almost. And then she came to, and then she did it again. So she passed out again, and she starts falling. I catch her. She would have banged her head, right? I'm panicked at this point, and I yell at my wife, go get, go get help. She goes up and goes to get help. Well, they wake her up, and uh, then, I mean, she's a very proud, educated, accomplished woman. They, they, she's skinny, too. They take her up the stands. We're sitting, like, in the second row with the bleachers, and there's, like, 20 rows with an aisle. And so they got uh, two uh, EMTs. And one guy has by both feet, and the other has by both arms. And they're <laughs> she's like for she's protesting to put her down because she, and, which people think you know maybe she's drunk or something, and she wasn't. And they call the ambulance. The ambulance comes. You, you got to understand these Italian sisters of mine. I'm not getting in that ambulance. I'm fine. <laughs> Go away. Was there some and profanity I, mixed in there? Just to and I got the emphasis. security or the MTV, MT guy, M, M, EMT guy. You got to convince her to get to the hospital. I said, "Yeah, I'm the young brother here. I'm the youngest." So I call my older sister and I say, "Patty, man, you got to talk to her." <laughs> There's no way I'm going to be able to do it. <laughs> but she did not go. We could see the ambulance came right up to the gate because you could and you could hear it coming too. You oh know? boy. Woo. Yeah, everyone's looking around, and you want to, like, put your hands over your head, point yourself, that's for me, I passed out, I got to go now. Embarrassing. And she said, I'm not going, I am not going, well, we're going to have to ask you to leave. Okay, I'll leave. So it was like the third inning and a gorgeous day that we had looked forward to all, all winter to go, so we left. But the good thing is that we got home in time. That uh, I watched Gonzaga play in the final 
for. I remember watching that on that Saturday because I was just going to check the score on my phone. And she never went to the hospital. Never. And uh, never did go to the hospital and never fainted again. But, man, that was wild. All right. Well, Matt can't be responsible for what happens if BYU gets on a roll in this tournament. Yeah. Blacking out. I mean, obviously, he was just making a point that he'd be delirious. But I think it's possible. I mean, it's a long shot. I, I agree with you on that. But I think they got a shot. If they play, if Harms is aggressive and throws down dunks and do what he can do, uh, like we were talking about the other day at Joe, when we were talking about, you know, with Rudy throwing down that dunk, that's what I want to see Harms do, man. I want to see him take no prisoners type of attitude. Well, Michigan State or UCLA to open up, probably Texas in the next round. Could be a two-seed like Alabama waiting for him, or maybe there'll be an upset. Rick Patino and Iona, baby, the 15th seed. Cinderella run. We'll see how it plays out. All starts uh, Saturday for Iona. BYU. Who's Iona got? Iona's playing Alabama. Ooh, man, Alabama's they've had a great, great season, obviously. But Iona... I don't know. I don't know how good they are. All I can say is Jeff Rulin's not walking through that door. That's old school right there. All right, DJ and PK coming up. Craig Bolojack, TV voice of the Jazz at 830. We've got a Jazz question for you on the way. Stay with us. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Kalani Sataki, head coach of BYU. We have the four quarterbacks that are definitely you know up there in the running, and we're going to have to narrow this down a little bit because there's just not enough reps to go around. But right now, Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, Jacob Conover, and Soljay Mayava, those guys are the front runners, and they're having great days. And, you know, the whole part about spring and even getting into being a coach, you want to develop depth. When you get depth and you have four quarterbacks that are battling for starting time, that's a good position to be in. There's a lot of great players here that are in the mix, and then that's the whole part of trying to develop your team into the program is that you want to get as deep as possible so it makes everyone have to raise their level of play, and then you just play the best guys. We're seeing some great competition right now, and especially at the quarterback position. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The big news going into this one, no Mike Conley. Precautionary. Hamstring, they're going back to back. So they decided to sit him against the Wizards, who are 14 and 25, and will be going back to back themselves after losing to the Sacramento Kings on a last second shot, 121 119, to drop them 11 under. So no Conley, and that means bigger role for Joe Ingles. Ready to see go, Joe go get uh, 14 points and uh, eight assists tonight and uh, hit some threes and have the offense humming. Actually, for me, the most intriguing is normally when they have a player out. We know Joe will go in and move in the starting lineup. We've seen that. Conley's missed seven games. Mm-hmm. They are 7-0 and zero when he is out. So that's not that big of a deal. I mean, I'm all, I expect it, actually. That's not, not a surprise. But I, usually when they have a single player out of the nine-man rotation, that's Ioni to come in now. Will they bring in Ilyasova? That's what I'm looking forward to. How will Quinn Snyder handle that when he goes to the ninth man? Now with Conley out, it's actually the tenth man. So we know the youngster is second-year player, I think he is, versus Ilyasova, who's a 33-year-old dude. You just signed him, and I think you want to have him ready in case you need him in the postseason. Well, I don't think you can just sit him and have him do nothing as far as game-wise. 
obviously he can do other stuff off the side, practice, whatnot. But during the games, by not playing him or barely playing him, that would be hard to expect then if you needed him in May and June and July, if he got that far, to be able to contribute. So I'm interested on the back end because I know Joe will step up and he'll do his thing. That's no surprise. I've already seen that a bunch of times. It's how is Quinn Snyder going to handle the end of the rotation. That's what I'm most intrigued by. Billy Silva's got to make his debut at some point, and whether it's uh, you know learning their offense and defensive rotations, whether it's uh, getting into game shape, and maybe he wasn't quite there, uh, whether there's some injury, some small injury he's either had or gotten as he tried to get into game shape, no one's wanted to use their one question <laughs> in the Zoom to chase that down yet. Uh, but to your point, this would be the perfect time, and and they've got they've got. Eight or nine, whatever. I think it's eight back to backs. This is the first of eight back to backs in the second half of the season. So this is going to keep happening. I think they're going to sit Conley in back to backs the rest of the way. Precautionary. They don't want to lose him. And they need to play other people anyway. So why not see what happens when they get down the bench? Yeah. And then probably somebody's going to miss some games along the way besides Conley. Sure. You would expect so that. So I think you, you need, you signed him, I think, with the intent of sort of like an insurance. You know, and that's great. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, but the insurance eventually, you know, you, you hope you don't have to cash in, but you're probably going to at some point. So you got to get this guy some some playing time. I mean, he's a big-time veteran. He's been in the league for many, many years. But still, he hasn't been in the league in a year. Uh, I don't think he's played any games this year. Then you get my, uh, Milwaukee let him go in a preseason. Maybe, maybe he got in. I don't think he did. Uh, but and plus, you know, that was with other teams. And so now you want to see what he can do with the Jazz. So that's the intriguing part for me is to see what what he can do because obviously he can shoot the three. He's got some size and all that type of stuff just to see how he fits in. I suspect, you know, Joe will step up and do what Joe does when Joe feels like, okay, I have to do more. I have to uh, – what, force the issue, or I don't know how you describe it specifically. He doesn't have to defer, and he's not the decoy in the corner that they will never leave, which is why he gets the minutes, but his stat line some nights looks like nothing. And now, instead of being one of three guys who can run the pick and roll, he's one of two. Donovan can't run every pick and roll, so Joe's going to have the ball in his hands in the middle of the floor, puts him right in the middle of the action. So the stat line is... Almost, I hate to say it's automatic, but I do feel like it almost automatically has to change when Conley is out because his role changes dramatically. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, that that's to the point of pretty much a given. Yep. And you know, he does what he does. He's having a phenomenal season for his role. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he's been good, but now he's even better. I mean, he's getting to the point where if he's open on a three, his feet are set. I'm absolutely my confidence level is like about 80 85 percent and it seems like man he's shooting it so soft like Donovan when he took that three against Boston at the top of the key mm-hmm. it just it seemed like it was just a practice three and it was just so smooth and so soft that's the way I feel like with Joe the way he's shooting his touch now has just become incredible so I suspect that uh, I expect that it's going to go in so he'll do his thing and I think everybody will do their thing I think it's important to get this win because you don't yes. want to lose to a lousy team like this. It's one thing to lose to uh, Philadelphia, uh, maybe even New Orleans at times is good. 
I think uh, there's the Warriors yeah. with Steph Curry going off. I can understand that, but I'd have a hard time understanding this one. The Wizards are one of the five worst teams in the NBA. They are eleven games under. They are not good. But they when have you are two bottom guys. five. They do have two guys who go off, and that's the only way they've gotten the 14 wins they've I was, gotten. I was going to say. But when you look at the bottom five teams in the NBA, like Minnesota's not good in the first place, and then Carl Anthony Towns sure. had COVID and was out a long time. And Houston, you know, they had to trade their star. Now they're trading other guys. Like, this isn't what they were trying to do. Their season's been turned upside down. So to get into the top five, you know, when you can already put two teams there, man, you are, you are a mess. Yeah, just saying that these. this is the type of team, though, if you allow either Bradley, Bill, or Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. to go off, you could find yourself in trouble. Right. They but even when they do off, go I mean, off, what, and they both had I mean, really they – had, they scored a bunch of points, a had a bunch of assists. Night. They had good yeah. games individually, just looking at the box score and the stat line against the Kings, and the Kings still beat them. And they're the Kings. They're not very good themselves. Good point. And How now Washington's not be very good. They're the Kings. They got De'Aaron right. Fox. Though. I know that was re- that was rep- repetitive and redundant. The Kings, who aren't very good, repetitive and redundant. I get it. But They're the Kings. Enough said. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK. That's the serious stuff. Now let's screw around. BYU and Utah State. They are on the road. PK, you can appreciate this. As a B rider, you sat in a lot of hotels. You had to kill time. And at least you could get out and walk around town and bump into Tim Duncan before the draft four or five times as you walk the same city streets in Charlotte. But now they're in Indianapolis in their hotel rooms, and you're not supposed to get together with you know four or five buddies and you know somebody from another team who you know from the AAU days and, and walk around town. You're not supposed to. You're just sitting there. What are you supposed to do? Help! Listeners, they need your help. We've all killed time. How do you do it? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. First and foremost, we're going to try to stay on top of our studies, you know, make sure that, that we're all getting uh, as good a grades as we can, you know, having study hall and hitting the books. And then we're going we're gonna to try and play a couple games once we get out of our quarantine for the first day, day and a half, and uh, try to have some fun with it. I know we talked about a couple things like hide-and-go-seek uh, throughout the entire hall or laser tag or Mario Kart, wh- whatever it is. I, I know we're going we're to have some pretty crazy ideas, and, and we're going to have fun with it. It's Alex Barcelo right there. How do you kill time before the NCAA tournament when you're sitting in Indy day after day? DJ PK brought to you in part by the store. Store has grab-and-go meals and hundreds of local products. The store has two locations in Holiday at 6200 South, 2050 East, and at the Gateway Mall in downtown Salt Lake City. That's the store. Killing time, PK. What do you do? Because the Aggies and Cougars have had a lot of time to kill, and they've got more time to kill. I didn't go seek, huh? That's old school right there. That takes you back eight years old, elementary school. Bunch of kids in the neighborhood. Big range of ages. That's the that's the one game everybody can play. Did you play it? Oh yeah. Tons of times. Tons of times. Tons of times. You gotta think how many kids there were. Uh there were probably about ten kids. In our cul-de-sac, and that's someone didn't have a friend over or someone didn't come over from somewhere else in the neighborhood, but just 10 kids on that cul-de-sac, and yeah, we played many summer nights hide-and-go-seek. Absolutely. Or variations there of. cul-de-sac. Yep. Pika, I grew up in a cul-de-sac, too. At the edge of town. Mine was kind of in the middle of the town, but you know. Nobody to the south, 
Nobody the East. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know what a cul-de-sac was until I moved to Arizona. Jersey was it all yeah, a grid? I wouldn't have figured that Jersey had many cul-de-sacs. No, I, I literally had never heard of it until I was 14 years old. Is it more a Western Sunbelt thing? As people lay out whole neighborhoods instead of building one at a time? I, I would assume so. Yeah. Because I had never seen one, and I didn't even, when I first heard that word, I didn't know what it was. And somebody yeah. saw it's like a circle. Yeah. In a street. I said, oh, okay. You get, but I literally never had heard of so that when, word. When you, build, when you build on a big chunk of land, you get more homes and you make more money. They put dead-end streets in them. Because my aunt and uncle grew up in one, in, and lived when I was growing up. They lived in an older neighborhood in National City, and they didn't have cul-de-sacs, and people just bought one lot. But the streets, you know, there were long streets that went through, and, and there, but there were no cul-de-sacs around where they were. But that was that neighborhood was like thirty or forty years older, and so. that's desirable—a cul-de-sac. Um, I guess, yes, yeah. I mean, there were, you guess you don't have traffic not, in there. Yes, yeah. absolutely, it is. Yeah, but you it's hard. But kids? it's but it's harder to get in and out of. But you're right. Yeah, as far no, as the less not. traffic, that's possible. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> I got one right around the corner. It's no big deal. It was harder for it was harder for us to get in and out. You blocked in by the swap meet, but that's another story. <laughs> Don't share it. I'm not. <laughs> so yes, we played lots of hide and go seek because there were kids that the ten kids ranged in ages by probably like six years. You know, it's there. I mean, what are you going to play that everyone can do? Everybody's out. That was the game. That was it. A spin the bottle. No. Did you ever play spin the bottle? Not at eight. <laughs> Does that mean you played spin the bottle? Yes, once when I was 13. 12, 13, 13 I think. I don't know. Junior high. Who who, who was in the uh, circle? No, oh, now you want to hear that story. You didn't want to hear the last two stories. No, we want to hear this one though. Nobody you would know. <laughs> Obviously no one random I would know. kids from San Diego. I'll just make up a name. Well, I mean, if it was an older woman, I mean, my next across the street, Gail. Oh, I won't give you her last name because somebody will go on Facebook and look her up because she is on Facebook. Uh, let me let me just tell you. Oh, fat bottom girls, you make the rocking world go round. We were killing time. <laughs> That's. <laughs> Did you play hide and seek in Jersey or no? Alex Barcelo clearly did. It's on his list. With ammunition. Oh. <laughs> I haven't played paintball. It looks like fun. I haven't done that. It can hurt. Oh, really? It can leave some pretty nasty welts. If you're too close? Yeah. How close is too close? Like if you're in like 10 feet, then it hurts. Uh, yeah, you can have an open wound from that. If you're at 50 feet, does it hurt? No, it's not as bad. Yeah, but it's also more difficult to be hit. Exactly. <laughs> right. Accuracy goes down the further out you get. I've done the laser tag thing. That was pretty good. I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to laser tag in Indianapolis. Because they can't go out, so they're going to right. have to just do whatever available in the hotel, right? I would think. Yeah. I mean, I'm I think sure there's some real. rentable laser tag gear that they could deliver to the hotel. and I suppose. Have fun. Could you I imagine mean, a bunch of BYU basketball players, those crazy Cougars, Video games, 
I guess today they can watch tournament games. They'll probably yeah. all watch UCLA, Michigan State. Oh, playing sure. them. Yeah, so that that's the easy part to figure out. Oh, they're getting to the end of the the time period. There yeah. was a time, uh, and these guys get bored. I mean, I've been there. You, you get really bored. Years ago, Majerus was playing. He took his team to play Wake Forest. It's a big game because I think then Wake Forest the next year came out and played on New Year's Eve, or maybe Wake Forest came out first, played on New Year's Eve when Van Horn was a senior. So probably they went when Van Horn was a junior. I think that's what it was, yeah. And they played over Christmas break, and it was on a Thursday. And Majerus, because just face it, man, he didn't have much of a life outside of basketball in the season anyway. And he took the players there on Thursday, or excuse me, on Sunday. So the game's Thursday. He takes them there on Sunday, right? So I check in Wednesday, the hotel, because uh, the game's Thursday, and I check in. But So they'd already been there f- for four days, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, third Wednesday, yeah. So I check in, and off to my left is a ping pong table, and I see – Drew Hansen and Mike Doliak playing ping pong, and they they barely are hitting it, and they're like they're not even paying attention to what they're doing, and they look so bored. And I say, <laughs> "Hey guys, what's going on?" And they just like, "Oh man, we've been here since Sunday." <laughs> <laughs> now this is not like being in the, uh, for the Maui Invitational. <laughs> they were so freaking bored. I mean, I just I can still remember these guys just barely being able to hit the ball because they were just so frustrated having be, having to be there so stinking early. They were going out of their minds. It was just mind-numbing. Because school's over too, right? Because you're in between the semesters. So you don't even have any schoolwork to catch up on. <laughs> so, like Barcelo said, schoolwork. Because they still have, uh, we've probably got a month or so left in the semester, maybe a little bit longer. So I get that you could do some of that stuff, but those guys were just, it was, I felt bad for them. They were so bored and there was no need to leave so early, but that's what he wanted to do. So I would think to this point, these guys got to be going a little stir crazy. Uh, Greg D says, search out the Iona rooms. Rick Patino always throws the best parties. Oh, that's decent. That's a good line. <laughs> like that? Nice pull. <laughs> Honor code violations everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Honor code violation just walking down the hallway past it. And some of the stuff that happens, of course, Patino has no knowledge of it. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what happens with my assistant coaches who are entertaining recruits that I'm trying to sign. <laughs> Riley, Riley says, I don't even have a response to this. What a freaking odd question, David. <laughs> I put it yeah, out on Twitter. So they it's, think it's real. Amazing. It's what they said. I oh, mean, yeah, absolutely. brought it up. I mean, I would assume that they are just – somebody's got the PlayStation and video games. I mean, Joe always talks about how even though they're – they all have to stay in their own rooms because they're worried about contact tracing, so you can't even hang out with your teammates. If your teammates test positive, then even if you're not sick, you're out for a few days. So, But he says they play video games between rooms. I mean, it's, you know, binge watch. Scott, Scott Pageant, the former, uh, former jazz player, had encyclopedic knowledge of all movies because that was how he killed time, just one movie after another. You literally couldn't ask him about a movie without him knowing about it. Yeah, but I don't think they had this. Uh, the NBA players have this level of time because they're on the go. They're moving from city to city, mm-hmm. so uh, that eats up some time. Yeah. It's significantly. I mean, we talked to talk to him because I knew that flight from San Francisco to Boston would just be mind numbing for those guys. 
Yeah, they do a lot of flying. that it was. They do a lot of flying, but if you're on the Jazz, you're not doing a lot of coast-to-coast trips. You know, if you're if you're a California team, you might have to start an East Coast trip, uh, you know, in a Boston or New York or something. So you might have those coast to coast, or you end it and you have one coming back. But for the Jazz, you would think the longest flight they have is two thirds of the country. This was a rarity yeah, for them. Yeah, that was highly unusual to start a five game road trip, literally as far as you can go on the West, and then as far as you can go on the East. They don't do that in normal so- seasons. I really thought that was COVID scheduling. They're just wedging so. games in. But they're they're constantly moving, like uh, they'll go uh, tonight, and then they'll take off tonight and go down to Tampa to play the Raptors, which makes sense. Play the Toronto Raptors in Tampa, of course you would. And so they don't have as much time. These guys at the college level, this whole week is just a massive level of boredom. Now it'll get less if you win because then you have a, a one-day turnaround, and then we'll have to hear about if BYU wins, how they don't practice on Sunday. And they may not get out on the practice court, but to think they're just going to be reading their Book of Mormons on Sunday all day long, I call BS on that. <laughs> not buying it. There'll be some video. <laughs> well, it was a long time ago now, but Bronco used to hand out uh, DVDs, old-school technology. DVDs are now old-school. Hand out uh, DVDs of the opponent on Saturday as guys left the locker room. Uh, he would, yeah. They, they didn't practice yeah. on Sunday, and they didn't meet on Sunday, but I'm assuming some guys put that DVD in and looked at it. Well, yeah, the coaches did their thing. If you went by, yeah. they, they did. And that's something that I'll never quite understand. But as I sat there and flew with church uh, BYU officials on Sundays, that, that's kind of a gray area. But nevertheless, that's what the – I think this is why the phrase, it is what it is, was invented. It is what it is. Uh, I don't know what, I don't, I, whatever. They can do whatever they want. Uh, but no worry about that if they should win. Uh, and I think the coaches, they've got some time to kill that they can prepare on their own. Prepare to prepare to play if you should win the first game. But you're probably going to have a dogfight in that first game, so uh, we'll worry about that if it comes to that on Sunday. Tricky but, T you know, says they should watch every basketball movie known to man. How many basketball movies have been made? Basketball movies? Space Jam. Space Jam? Is that what we're talking about? Space Jam, Eddie. Well, Hoosiers, obviously. Hoosiers, The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh, an old Dr. J movie. Are we about done? Four? Uh, didn't uh, – there was one – I had some friends – uh, old college roommate was in a movie. They had some extras. He lived out in the valley, San Fernando Valley, and uh, they had uh, they needed some people in the bleachers. So he he had his it was it wasn't his girlfriend. It was kind of his girlfriend, and she was in acting. She was a uh, played in Happy Days when Fonzie would snap his fingers and the girls would run. She was one of them, right? So anyway, he she got him in to a crowd scene. I want to. It was with Gabe. What, what was that? The the Cotter guy. What's Gabe his last Kaplan? Name? Yeah, was it like Fast Break or something? Don't know. Never heard of it. Time. Yeah. Time for the Google machine to go to work. He and he, and he told me that they they needed some people in the bleachers to cheer and blah blah blah. Yeah, and Fast so Break, nineteen seventy nine. There you go. He got to do that, uh, and he told me about it. I don't remember it. Jack about the movie, but I don't, the only reason I know is because my roommate in college was in it. So 
That's how I remember. I don't remember the movie, so it's a basketball. But I think it was it was based around a premise of basketball. And then isn't there some of like uh, Coach Carter uh, where he goes into inner city yeah, school? Coach and Carter with um, gives him discipline and all that stuff. Samuel L. It's Jackson. based around basketball. Yeah. It's based around basketball, right? Yep. I left out semi-pro. Yeah. How could I? Oh, Will Ferrell, man. Yeah. What What is wrong with me? The ABA. The Flint Tropics. Well, here's a list of the 20 best basketball movies ever made. So just because I can only list uh, five or six of them doesn't mean that there aren't way more. So there it is. White Men Can't Jump. I left that one out. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Celtic Pride. Isn't that where the Jazz get beat by the Celtics in the finals? Yep. Yeah, see, there's some more basketball movies. What's the one Billy Crystal? Wasn't he a referee? Forget Paris. I forget the name. Is that the name? I think. I'm not sure. I don't know. I couldn't tell you the name. I yeah. wouldn't be able to recognize it. But I, didn't he play like a referee or something? Yes, he did. You ever hear of Cornbread Earl and Me? Stars Jamal Wilkes, the former Laker, no. the UCLA Bruin, the Santa Barbara Don. Oh, Finding Forrester had a bunch of basketball in it. I don't know there was a basketball movie. See, then you can get into the where there's basketball in it, but it's not really a basketball movie. Was a Sean Connery? That was pretty good. Glory Road. We forgot Glory Road. Don oh, Haskins, absolutely, yeah. Texas That's Western, story, yeah. 1966. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Samuel L. Jackson and anything. Coach Carter, sure. Well, anything except snakes on a plane. But anything other than that, than Samuel L. Jackson. What about the mother bleeping what? <laughs> he got game. You're a big Denzel guy, right? It comes like most of America. That's why he's got all these. He got that's, game, all, yeah. that's why he's got all these hundred million dollar films all over the place. He's box office. All right, Certainly so there it is. They got uh, they can watch the basketball movies and kill some time before they watch UCLA and Michigan State tonight. I, I just can't see them playing hide and go seek though <laughs> in a hotel. <laughs> Seems limited options. You're gonna have to run down the hallway. I was gonna say, I mean, how, where could harms possibly hide? <laughs> well, yeah, but like key cards to get into rooms to hide, and that ain't gonna work. I mean, he's seven feet three. You can't hide. Well, in the old neighborhood, he could uh, he could hide behind some trees. You play after Oak dark. Trees? It got dark enough. You could literally lay in the grass, and people could walk by, on a dark day, oh, a dark okay. night. People could walk within 15 feet of you and not know you were there. There was no way your mother, Tanisha James, was letting you out after dark. Get Absolutely. Out of town. No, nobody buys you're, that. You're Sorry. wrong. You're wrong. You, have no. No, you don't know what you're talking about. Tanisha would let you out? A, that's not my mother's Unsupervised? name. Unsupervised? A, that's not my mother's name. <laughs> okay, Althea would B, leave you out? B, there were plenty <laughs> of summer nights we were out after dark. I don't know. I mean, you Kanisha would live you out after dark. You constructed a nice slash bizarre <laughs> slash fantasy background story for me, which has been entertaining radio at times. So I've just rolled with it. But <laughs> yes. yes, she would let Dave Boy stay out that late. Oh, no, not way. not just me. She'd let. I, I had I had brothers two and four years younger than me. So yeah, four years younger than me. Yeah, yeah but you had was, to look after them. She that's put true you in story. Charge. That's a true. That's story. why you have this A personality where you have to take over everything at all times. Probably that's it's probably that's some, obvious. Some, probably some truth to that. You were in charge yeah. of uh, Al Boy and Eric Boy. I can give you boring stories about that. I got in trouble on consecutive Saturday mornings once because I, 
Once because I got in, Dad just came out just screaming and yelling. He was so mad. Oh, my gosh. Saturday morning. How do you get in trouble Saturday morning? It was easy. My younger brothers <laughs> fought all the time, and I was trying to break it up because I knew I was going to get in trouble because I was the oldest and I was in charge, like you said. Dad came out, you're the oldest. You should have broken it. I mean, and I, you, I said I was trying to break it up. Bubba, you, you were making the noise, too. You're in trouble. So the next week, they got into it again, scrapping over nothing just because they fought all the time. And so I just sat on the sofa, folded my arms, and didn't, make a, didn't say a word. I was sitting there watching, I don't know, whatever cartoon was on. Uh, and I'm, I'm serious. I'm like seven or eight. I'm, I'm a, oh, I'm I would have put you at 16. And I didn't say a word. And dad comes out. <laughs> He's like, you're the oldest. should have broken him up. I got in trouble for breaking him up last week. Hard to believe Oh, me. you snapped back? I did. And I got in trouble for that, too. <laughs> no wonder why you had the contentious relationship I, with Freddie J. No, no doubt about that. <laughs> started, it started early. <laughs> Thank goodness for sports, man. That's where we bonded. That's where we all was on the same page. Well, so sports the, and women, obviously. That's where the tension, uh, actually, that's true. <laughs> I could tell you a story about that, too, that it cracked oh, me up. Oh, please do. Yak will go crazy. <laughs> Yak's already laughing. He hasn't even heard the story. I'll save it for the break. DJ and PK, when we come back, Craig Bullerjack. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. March Madness is here, and now it's time to put that college basketball knowledge to the test. It's the Zone Bracket Challenge, where you can compete against the Zone hosts as well as Zone listeners. Oh my goodness! Log on now to 1280zonebracket.com to fill out your bracket for a chance to win a Nordic Track X22i bike. Valued at over $2,000 as well as other great prices. It's the Zone Bracket Challenge, going on now at 1280zonebracket.com. Presented by the store, SNS Roofing, Bullfrog Spas, and Elite Works. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 Zone. Time to welcome in Craig Bowler Jack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Bowler, good morning. Hey, DJ PK, what's up? Uh, many things are up. One of them, of course, is the NCAA tournament. And Alex Barcelo uh, talking about killing time for a week leading up to the tournament mentioned uh, the possibility of playing hide and go seek. And PK has been doing the hard-hitting radio journalism of getting me to tell hide-and-go-seek stories from my childhood. I'm assuming as an all-American, red-blooded male from the heartland, from Kansas City, that you have played hours of hide-and-go-seek. Oh, hours, you guys. Oh, my gosh. We called them. not. We went outside and did what was night games, as we called it. Pitch black, and um, it was always like in the summer, and you were sweating with the high humidity of Kansas. Um, yeah, yeah. There were a few tumbles I took, too, because what happens in the night, you don't see clotheslines or gutters uh, coming <laughs> off homes. And I did a couple of, I did a couple of cartwheels in my day for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you're on the injured list. You're you're uh, like Mike Conley. You can't go back to back. Oh, the, you know what? I haven't thought about uh, hide and seek forever. But oh yeah, yeah, it was big. It was kind of a neighborhood thing. If you made the call or you you know sent somebody out in those days, it was like okay, the word spread and everybody came out until you heard uh, a mother or a father honk a horn or uh, say time to come in. And everybody said, oh come on, another ten minutes. One of those things. It was it was fun. Well, you're not doing it this year, but obviously many years as an adult, though, traveling with the Jazz from uh, all these games that you play. And it's a, it's a pretty uh, tough travel schedule. How how do you kill time then? Oh, my gosh. You know, it was kind of, you know, at night it was like venture out, and we always tried new restaurants. It was kind of our own game of finding new places or if we found – 
the spot that we would return. And like St. Elmo's, you know, uh, that was uh, a place that we'd go. And uh, Colvine just comes to mind in, in Dallas. It was a pizza place. And it was, they always had these really interesting combinations, unlike, you know, the other call-in pizza places. This was kind of more of a gourmet place. It was kind of cool to try different stuff, and that that was on the menu. But yeah, it was kind of a dinner thing at night, and then during the day, it started off with a bus ride to to shoot around, come back to have a production meeting, and then I just kind of hung in my room and just went through game notes, prep notes, uh, my chart, and before you knew it, the early bus was there, and you just repeat, repeat, rinse and repeat um, on the road. There wasn't a lot of, you know, a lot of different things, PK, that you did. Um, it was, uh, was, you know, was he called living in a in a tube, you know, plane, bus, hotel, arena, bus, plane, hotel, arena. That's kind of the way it went. But uh, it was still good because what we're missing this year actually is having the chance to have those one-on-ones with players uh, going to shoot around, sitting and talking after they, you know, they're done. Quinn has his media, uh, local and, and traveling, you know, beat writers. And so you miss the one-on-ones. All we're doing now is living by Zoom. And uh, I just miss the interaction, you know, the one-on-one interaction. So Conley is out. I'm assuming that this is the rest of the season. He's not playing back-to-backs. They want to keep him healthy for the playoffs. Right. They don't want to have him out for a run of two or three weeks. But I don't think it's anything to be worried about either. That's what you're thinking? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is just the plan. They call it injury management. Um, and just to keep him healthy, there's a lot. If you look at the schedule, there's you know several, if not off the top of my head, at least another four. I think this is the four or five sets of back-to-backs. There are there are two games, I believe, two sets of games that have a day off in between. But next week, it's Memphis back-to-back. The Lakers series in April actually has a day off in L.A. between those two games. So maybe he plays both. We'll have to wait and see. But I'm guessing the way the schedule is, it's every other day, uh, basically. This weekend, a rare Saturday-Sunday off on the road, by the way. So you get some rest and probably one practice in before you – you play Chicago on Monday, then come back home. But after you get through this five-game road trip, and you look at the schedule, it's it's pretty much balances back into the favor of the Jazz uh, with with home games. There's a few more you jump out on the road for a couple, but um, this is the last East Coast road trip. I think there's a stop in Memphis, but other than that, it's um, they've gotten through uh, a lot of a lot of travel prior to the uh, All Star break and right after. What is it? Nine games uh, out of ten. They they've had, would have played on the road when it comes up Monday in Chicago. So we're talking about this earlier. I know that at this point, Joe Ingles steps into starting lineup and he's playing well, and so he'll do what he does. Uh, I'm I'm wondering. We've seen the Ioni kid come in and be the ninth man when one of the top nine are out. Well, now they got Ilyasova, and they brought right. him in as somewhat of his insurance policy. But you got to get him some time here. So if you need him for a bigger role in the postseason. He has his legs under him a little bit. Do you think that we see him tonight? You know, I don't have any insider info, but PK, I'll be honest. I think he's watched the two. I think this is a perfect time to put him on the floor. That's just me. Um, you know, he's a bigger guy. Uh, he's got, uh, as you said, ability to defend. He's got a career 37% three-point shot. Uh, he spreads the floor. I think you have to respect him until he proves 
proves you're wrong. And obviously that opens space more for Donovan and just spacing on the floor. And Quinn says that all the time. You know, his offense and the way they play is about spacing. I think he, uh, Arison Eliasova gives the Jazz, uh, I think, a really good ticket uh, in that regard. So I think probably, you know, I mean, Quinn said it himself, there's not a lot of practice time, so he probably would have to throw him in. I think that was the quote, throw him into the fire. And, you know, agreed. I mean, there's not a lot of time. And he's a vet. I mean, I'm sure he's sitting and watching and picking up how the Jazz do things, tendencies. But also, I remember, you know, when him playing against the Jazz, uh, he's he's been a very – impactful player this is his seventh nba stop on the tour and he's always been a pretty uh impactful player so no matter where he lands he's played well he's 33 but pk i think uh maybe tonight's the night i wouldn't be surprised so boston lost again after losing to the jazz they are now right at exactly at 500 that looked like a good win for the jazz it felt like a good win and everybody wants to say ah the jazz are back on track you think they're back on track after the the rough end before the All Star break, and you know, they gave away a big chunk of a big lead against Houston and looked bad for about ten minutes doing it, and then the Golden State loss. So are they are they back on track from all of that, or it's still to be determined? I think it's to be determined. I saw things I liked. Of course, slow start, trail by eleven. Right, you get a forty point fourth quarter, impressive. So you put the game away. What I liked, and I think where Boston's going to struggle the rest of the way is the bench. Look. You know, they've got uh, players that, uh, you know, in their starting lineups, and we know who they are, and Tatum and uh, and Brown, they both go, what, 28, nearly 30? So that's 60, nearly 60 points of their offense. But I didn't see much off their bench. The Jazz had a plus 24 in that category. You know what? The other thing, too, uh, the Jazz are getting to the free throw line, um, which is a good sign. You know, if you can get Donovan and Rudy there and Rudy making his free throws, at least they're showing more aggressive play and forcing the opponent, you know, to put a hand or a body on him. So, I don't know. I saw good things after the – I thought the first quarter was the, what, what's going on. I mean, you know, Boston came out and played like the Jazz have uh, before the All-Star break. And, you know, you, you lead by 11. But, you know, the Jazz don't panic, and I, I like that about them. I think the one thing is the consistency of Donovan – has to be better. I mean, he got the eight points in the fourth quarter, but, you know, it's kind of slow starts, and then you have to still wonder, PK and DJ, about bogey. Where is he? Uh, three of nine. You know, um, at times he looks timid. Uh, I think he's lost some confidence. But, you know, shooters come out of it, you know, and then they kind of come out of it like he has before. Then all of a sudden, all of a, sudden a shooter can go back into a slump. Um, you know, he's a powerful player. Maybe – like like Boone and, and, and Matt and Thurl always say from former players' perspectives, when they struggled, they always started back inside and then worked their way back out. So I don't know. I'm not giving advice, but those are just observations. I'm sure Bogey hasn't forgotten how to play. I think the turnovers have, have kind of uh, taken away some of his confidence, and I think he's got to rebuild that. There's no doubt because it seems like teams have now – uh, really zoned in on his ability when he starts to dribble into the paint and turns to his right. They're setting for him right there in the lane and picks his pocket about you know hip high, and that's been a problem. Live ball turnovers has been a big problem for the Jazz during this last uh, ten games. Yeah, especially early. You know the Warrior yeah. game, they had him 
right off the bat. And then the Boston game, and I'm watching that game, and you know, just show you the dedication. It was my wedding anniversary, but we did watch the game. And my wife, we had some gifts that we brought. I said, well, i got to watch the game. And I, I texted this to DJ, you know, my wife, uh, hearkening back to our California days when we lived in Los Angeles, and Chick Hearn is about four minutes to go. And she says, can we open the gifts now? And I said, no, the game's not over. She says, no, the butter's, the butter's hard already. <laughs> she quotes Chick Hearn. <laughs> so if you didn't live in Southern California to watch Chick because there was no league pass in that day, he had this thing whenever the Lakers had a lead and he thought it was over and there was no chance of a comeback, he'd say, this one is in the fridge. The door is closed. The lights are out. The eggs are cold and the butter's getting hard. And he would say that every win in an era when they won sixty games a year. Yeah. Wow. So that was uh, so that and, and that Bowler statement he, came every night, every other night, practically or every night. three out of every yeah. four because yeah. he called yeah. every win. He would sometimes say it with like eight minutes left or the start of the fourth quarter because they're running somebody off the floor by thirty. But some nights he'd say it at a timeout with ten seconds left in a game. Because he didn't think it was over until yeah. right at the at the end, right? right and one end. one night bowler, and I'll never forget this. I had a station where I had to play the local commercials in the Laker Radio Network. It was my first paid job in radio, and they're playing the Nuggets in Denver, and they got like a twenty five point lead or something. They're just running them ragged, right? And so chick, you know, oh, this one's in the fridge. The doors closed. The lights are out. The eggs are cold. The butter's getting hard. And Denver, sure enough, with like the last six minutes, they go on this massive run. And they get within one with like, I don't know, 20 or 30 seconds to go, and they call timeout. The Lakers have a one-point lead, and Denver has the ball. And, uh, and I, think, I think Stu Lance was the color man, and was, whoever it was was giving him a hard time. Like, Stu, you put this one away. You've never been wrong. But, boy, it's tense now. And Chick is, Chick's not backing down. He's Jersey. PK would have loved it. He's like, I'll tell you right now, if the Lakers lose this game after I put it in a fridge, I will walk back to L.A. Denver comes out of the timeout, inbounds the ball, scores with like 10 seconds left in the game. They take the lead. Timeout Lakers, they go to commercial break. I remember like it was yesterday. They come out from break, and the guys in the – well, actually, I think a woman directed the the Laker broadcast in those days. But the people in the truck come back, and they have built a graphic, and it says 1,245 miles from Denver to L.A. (laughs) And, and the, the, the analyst, I think it's Stu, is just giving it to Chick. You've never been wrong. This is it. He says, I, and Chick isn't backing out. I'm still not wrong. Magic's going to have the ball. He doesn't say anything else. He just says, Magic's going to have the ball. Sure enough, Lakers give it to Magic. Magic makes the magic happen. They win the game. And he's like, there was never a doubt. I put it in the fridge. He didn't good. have to walk. In it was the miles. good. It was good stick, and he had magic yeah. to back him up. So, oh, absolutely, man! If you had that type of confidence, for sure. I was going to ask you, DJ, how much is that? Was that like a buck fifty an hour job back then? Um, it was minimum wage, whatever minimum was. I I want to say three fifty or something, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it was nothing. It was two seven hour shifts on. I had to work on Sunday and Monday nights, part time. And the Good Lakers pocket. played every Sunday night, so it was awesome. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I didn't yeah. have cable. That was the only way you see the game on Prime Ticket. So. Good gig. Really good gig. Pocket money. Yep. Yep. I needed every buck. So, all right, Bowler. So, uh, you want to sit here now and predict they're going to sweep the trip, or that's the kind of confidence you lack? You're not sure the Jazz <laughs> oh, are back. refrigerators. The refrigerators. <laughs> yeah, close it. Slam the refrigerator yeah, door the three times off. before any yeah. of the games tip off. Oh, the thing is, gosh. none of these teams 
have great records. I mean, Toronto's better, and we assume that that's why they picked this game for Conley to miss. Right. They're better, but they're still under 500. Chicago, eh, eh. Well, you know, you look at uh, what what uh, the Wizards have, and when healthy, I mean, the Westbrook deal combo is intriguing, right? But um, you know, the bench is what I keep looking at, and there's not much there for the Wizards. You know, again, I, I, I you always warn that you can't overlook anyone in this league. They're all in the league for a reason, so you have to go out with. I think what the Jazz have to do the rest of the way, because all three games are definitely winnable, uh, record-wise, um, and I would think. You go about your business and play your type of ball. Try to you've got to turn you've got to just trim the turnovers down. And it's not necessarily the the number PK you made the mention. It's it's when they happen. It's it's like two or three in a row, and all of a sudden, what is a three point lead becomes you know you flip it by seven, uh, you know, and that's what tends to really stifle the Jazz. And you go not a oh man, you took them out of the flow again, and they're just errant passes or steals that just turn into easy buckets because the Jazz transition defense, look, you you can't get, you you don't get back in time. And those are easy buckets on the other end. So, you know, if you can be consistent from three, play the D that you're known for and uh, stay away from turnovers. I know that sounds easy, right? (laughs) But on the road, it's more difficult, but also the fans aren't around. And I, I think again, this year, it's, it's hard to tell every night, Guys, because I, I really do believe the energy of the fans play a big part of, of the road and, and, and what happens at home for teams, uh, how you react on the road uh, when you hear, when you make it, when you have a turnover and you start to, you have to dig yourself out and find your own energy when the team, uh, you know, their fan base is yelling at you. But, you know, the bubble was odd. This is still odd. The Jazz do have fans back. Uh, hopefully, as the season goes on and things start to hopefully improve, if they don't take a step back. You know, a, you know they'll allow a few more fans into the stands. We'll see how it works out, but uh, I think the Jazz can win all three. It's just a, it's a, it's just an, uh, the ability of of having the confidence. I think they're trying to refine that, redefine that confidence after the stumble before the All Star break. But you know, even Shaq said it on TNT uh, a couple of nights ago. You know, he remembers when they went up and down in Miami, and I think it does it does happen. It's it's hard to just make these runs. Uh, and, you know, go 20 of 21 in the win column. I mean, come on. It just doesn't happen often, and the Jazz have had a special year to this point. They stay healthy. I think the schedule starts to turn in their favor, especially with the home games, you know, on the way. Thanks, Bowler. We appreciate it. Okay, guys. No hide-and-go-seek, man. Your Achilles can't handle it. No night <laughs> no. games. I don't want you to no, blow out a knee. Your knees are tricky. I don't want to. I don't want to hit uh, a, a rain gutter, man. I, yeah. I'm not in the mood for a cartwheel right now. There you go. Thanks, Bowler. <laughs> See you soon. All right, to Bowler's point, Chicago three games under five hundred. Toronto six games under, and tonight's opponent, the Wizards, 11 games under. Winnable games for the Jazz. We'll see if they get it rolling. They play the Wizards tonight at 5. The game is on AT&T Sportsnet. It's here on The Zone. Jazz game night, the pregame, starts at 4 o'clock. Mike Conley out due to hamstring management. Expect to see him back. It's back-to-back. Expect to see him in Tampa when they play Toronto, and Toronto's moved all their games there. That's their their home court for this year in the, with the pandemic. All right, DJ and PK, coming up, we're going to talk NCAA tournament with Carlos Silva Jr. He covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. He joins us in 15 minutes. Aggie fans, gather around the radio. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show, the Big Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
Chris Daubertine, bracketologist. Give us a couple of teams that could win a couple of games and do some damage that maybe uh, nobody's talking about. I like that whole Creighton, Virginia, UC Santa Barbara, Ohio pod. Especially if Ohio can get out of that group, I think they can get past Virginia. I think Creighton's probably going to struggle with UC Santa Barbara. If they don't, different story because I think Creighton can really outshoot the Bobcats and it's going to be a little bit more of a different situation for them. I like USC's draw. I have USC going to the Elite Eight because Kansas is going to be a little shorthanded. And I think at some point, Iowa's defensive frailties are going to come back and bite them. And USC has enough talent, I think, to make it happen. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. DJ and PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. All right, PK, just got a big dose of jazz right there. You heard everything Craig Bowler Jack had to say. Got anything to add, or is Bowler right on point? Not 100% sure the jazz are all the way back in the groove. Encouraging in Boston. I'm glad they're not. Get better. Continue to progress. I, I, I don't want them to be back in the groove we're still in march and now we're you know we're approaching the end of march but the season has been pushed back a month so this is like being in somewhat about being in february you know what i mean so So if they're in the groove they can't stay in the groove it's too long well yeah and i want them to get better i I do think that the early turnovers i mean what i was going to finish saying that, that was frustrating me in that boston game with the early the soft early turnovers that lets the other team that you're better than get basically free points mm-hmm. and get momentum and, and get just get feeling good about yourself. Yep. And the Jazz, and I'm sure they're aware of this. This is not uh, anything I'm telling them that they don't already know. But you've been the best re- record-wise. You're the best team in the league. We can debate over whether they are or not, blah, blah, blah. But we obviously, when we throw in record-wise – there is no debate. And they've held this position now, and you know, the Lakers have led them a injury, and Davis will be back. Fine, whatever. But they've been in this position now for a number of weeks, which means you have the opponent's full attention. The Warriors, I mean, they know they're probably not going to go anywhere this year, right? With Thompson out, Wiseman still needs to develop. I think they got somebody's who's they got somebody's pick coming up next season. So their time to get better is coming in the next couple of years. Well, why not have some fun and knock off these guys today on a Sunday afternoon? What else do we have to do? So they go ahead and do it, right? So the point being that they're going to be jacked up to play these guys. So it's going to require require increased intensity. Doesn't mean you're going to make your shots all the time, but don't have these what I'm terming as Sort of not lazy isn't really the word, but loose turnovers. Soft, to, soft, turnovers. soft is another good word to describe it. Yeah, just you're going to have turnovers. I get it. You know, you're going to have where you're making a play. I think I believe a charge is considered a turnover. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, in order to have a charge, you obviously are trying to make a play. So it's not a lazy, soft, loose turnover. So try to reduce those as much as possible. Because there's really no need for that stuff. And Bogdanovich has to pick it up a little bit more here. It's just been a level of his consistency that doesn't match the consistency that he showed last season. And there's no reason why he can't show that. 
as as to last season. And maybe he can't have the season that he had statistically last season because they've got other guys now. Royce has stepped up his game. I think Rudy stepped up his offensive game. Conley is back basically at full strength. Joel's playing well. And Yang has given you more than he gave you last year. So you don't necessarily need Bogey to have the same stats as last year, but find a better level of consistency. Yes, and he's clearly not playing with confidence. Uh, I think he is the first guy who recognizes he's got to play better, but I think that leads to lack of confidence. And sometimes the lack of confidence leads to the problems. You know, you're a little indecisive on whether to pass, to shoot, to dribble, or whatever, and it just causes more problems than it snowballs. But I think you see the look on his face. He knows it. What he doesn't know is how to fix it right now. And hopefully over these next 30 games or so, he gets that part figured out. Yeah, yeah. Because they need him, regardless of what his, his stats are last season, or regardless of what his stats are this year, they need that level of confidence and performance in the playoffs for whatever opportunity he gets. You know, he's actually played well enough that depending on the lineup that's on the floor, he may be the guy that teams are bound and determined to take away, and the shots may go to somebody else. But when he gets his opportunity, you just want to see that level of of confidence and you know Quinn Snyder has said the decision you make to dribble pass or shoot not as important as the decision to make it quickly you know you got to have the confidence to know so the defense doesn't have a chance to get set again you hold the ball for two seconds they're set again you move right away they're still in the scramble and something good can happen for you when the defense is scrambling all right when we come back Carlos Silva Jr. covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and uh, I've been told the Texas Tech resembles a Mountain West team on steroids. Which Mountain West team? And does Carlos Silva Jr. see any of the comparisons? We will get to that next. Stay with us. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision has given you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Carlos Silva Jr. He covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Carlos, good morning. Good morning to y'all. How are you? Good. We are ready for the NCAA tournament. Utah State and Texas Tech right out of the gate. And before we get into some specifics with you, I'm curious kind of big picture. And the Red Raiders are, a lot of people are saying really nice things about them. A lot of people are picking them to beat Utah State in advance. They are the sixth-place team out of the Big 12. Do you think, and, and they tied with Oklahoma at 9-8, and eight, do you think the mm-hmm. Big 12, when they get hyped, is the best conference in the country, maybe with the Big 10, kind of 1-1A? One one are they that good? Is the league that deep? Is that why the Red Raiders are 9-8? and eight? Or there's some fundamental flaws that can be attacked by the Aggies and whoever else they might play, however long they last in the NCAA tournament? Well, I think the one thing you have to look at with Texas Tech is uh, six of their eight losses have come by one or two possessions, and I think that's the thing that you have to look at is the fact that, again, going to your point, the Big 12 is a meat grinder just like the Big 10 is, and uh, if you make a mistake in a crucial moment, which has been snake-bitten by, or has snake-bit Texas Tech, pardon me, the last uh, couple games, uh, and then you can even look at Texas where they were leading them for a little bit and then they weren't able to get the victory to eventually get to the Big 12 title game, which is what the Longhorns did. They cut down the net. So, again, uh, I, I would just have to tell you, in terms of the big picture, Texas Tech is certainly one of those teams that is, again, as you mentioned, the sixth-place team in the Big 12. But that 
is a very, very deep league. I know everyone kind of looks at Kansas State and Iowa State and how bad they did, but a couple years ago, this was a league where those two teams finished above 500 as well, and that was one of those uh, really odd statistics where every team finished above 500. Granted, the conference records didn't show that, but the fact that you're able to finish above 500 overall just shows the type of quality teams that the league does have, and obviously right now they're kind of switching over. Kansas State had its struggles. Iowa State has a new coach now because of their win this season. But in terms of Texas Tech, I think the one thing you can say is they stay in games, and if you're able to make some plays down the stretch, which is what uh, some teams did against Texas Tech, that being a Baylor, Texas, uh, you look at some of the other losses that they took as well against Houston, that one, they just got punched in the mouth early on, which is something that Going to your question, if Utah State's able to do get on a big run early, be able to hold them off, that could be something that Utah State could take advantage of. But again, Texas Tech is a much different team than that from that Houston loss. And I think that's the one thing that Chris Beard will always talk about and you'll always hear in his press conferences is game after game. He just wants to see his team improve, and they certainly improve because they're in a much better standing than they were last year coming into the NCAA tournament before the Big 12. And, of course, everyone remembers how sports were canceled. Tell us about Mac McClung, you know, the transfer from Georgetown. Somewhat dynamic, but uh, can I label him streaky? Is that a fair assessment? I think it's a fair assessment. There were times where he didn't really start off strong in the first half, but then all of a sudden he'll pour in 18 to 20 points. Yeah, he is leading the team, but I think uh, one thing that, you will see with McClung is sometimes he may not have the points scored that you're seeing from a leading scorer. Like I, I can't remember which game, but he had four points total. But those four points, he had the four free throws at the end of the game that helped Texas Tech fend off a team for a victory. So I think that's one thing that Mac McClung is starting to learn about his game. It's not just about scoring. He came to Texas Tech, as Chris Beard has mentioned, for one, winning, getting to the NCAA tournament for the first time, but the other thing was to improve his defense, which I think he has a little bit. He's still got a little bit of a learning curve in terms of his help defense to where sometimes he does leave a guy open for three every once in a while. But I think uh, when you look at what he's able to do in terms of making plays with the ball, off the ball, that is something that helps Texas Tech open up their motion offense because of his ability just to create plays with the basketball and help create open lanes for his teammates. And I think that's one thing that Texas Tech does covet about Matt McClung is that when he does get hot, I mean, he can he can score in bunches. Carlos Silva Jr. joining us. He covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Texas Tech's going to open the NCAA tournament by playing the Utah State Aggies. And, Carlos, they do TV here. We have a weekly college basketball panel. There's a former Aggie player, Spencer Nelson, and he said this, and the former BYU assistant coaches on the panel, Tim Lacombe, agreed immediately. They said Texas Tech is like San Diego State out of the Mountain West Conference, except on steroids. A little bigger, a little quicker, a little deeper, but that uh, just the signature toughness, the willingness to defend and rebound every possession and just bang and be as physical as necessary is that really at the core who the Red Raiders are? Because if that's true, then Aggie fans know exactly what they're in for. Absolutely, and I almost even go a little bit farther in terms of rebounding. They are the best offensive rebounding team in the Big 12 for, for points at a time. So I think that's something that Chris Beard covets. Again, 
going back to that one to two possession uh, deal, it's just Chris Beard is all about making an opportunity for yourself. If he has an opportunity, as I mentioned before, at the end of a game where you get the ball or you need a stop, he's he's obviously he's not going to enjoy having his heart attacked, but he's going to enjoy the fact that he knows that he put his team in a position to win, and that's certainly what he's going to do against uh, Utah State later this weekend. But in terms of uh, what, what they both said, I totally agree with that. Uh, defense is their DNA, their identity. Same thing with rebounding. And the other thing is toughness. I think you've seen that in games where they went down by double figures. They were able to come back. And uh, the other thing I would say is they're also a very deep team. I mean, you look at Jamarius Burden, who was injured for a little bit due to a toe tendon issue, and then all of a sudden you get Clarence Madoli who steps up and is starting to play well. You see Tyreek Smith, who's starting to develop into a, a very good post player. So I think that's one thing that you can also, or a couple things that you can also add is that they're a deep team and they're developing their players down the stretch. And we'll see if they're able to get some of these other guys some minutes because, as you mentioned, Mac McClung's going to get minutes, Terrence Shannon's going to get minutes, and you've got other guys like uh, Marcus Santa Silva that are pretty set in stone to be penciled in as starters, but you've got other guys that can also step in and score in bunches as well. How much do you think of maybe of a lack of size will be an issue against Kata? Because obviously he's a very good player. Uh, I've been asked this question a few times, and I know it's a different year or a different team, but Texas Tech has faced these big seven-footers. Matt Harms uh, is one that sticks out to me a couple years ago when they played Purdue. So I think the, the one thing that you can also kind of flip it on its head is maybe Utah State's not used to playing a team that's got a bunch of six, seven athletes that can maybe blow by. Uh, Keita and maybe get him into foul trouble. I think that's going to be something that Utah State is going to have to be very wary of because maybe Texas Tech does go after him. They try to get him into foul trouble once he's on the bench. Certainly that's uh, not a place where Craig Smith would like him to be. So I think that's one thing Texas Tech will be looking to do is be aggressive, get to the free throw line, and obviously if they're able to get uh, Keita on the bench, that's certainly a big priority. And not only that, but Speaking of Kyler Edwards yesterday, the guard for Texas Tech, he said the one thing they have to do is make sure he does not get the ball. So that should be interesting to see how they deny him on the defensive end. Not having a tournament last year kind of throws the whole NCAA tournament experience thing out of whack. And there's so many transfers now. I can't keep track of them all. You know, we, we got BYU here, and, you know, they got the team hasn't been to the tournament in a while, but they got four transfers who have been, including guys who played in the Sweet 16. Obviously, Texas Tech was in the national title game, but it was two years ago. How much of that playing experience do they retain on the roster? Uh, they've got Kyler Edwards, who was a freshman on that team. Avery Benson uh, is another player. And if you want to count tournament experience, Marcus Santosilva has been there with uh, Virginia Commonwealth, but did not win that game. So if you're talking about the national championship, Tyler Edwards and Avery Benson would be the two that have been from there. Kyler Edwards uh, did score 12 points, I believe. I know for sure it was double figures, and he had a couple threes uh, in the midpoint of that game. So certainly he's a guy that does know what to expect. He can tell his teammates all this other stuff. But I, I think, as Chris Beard has said, very point blank, it's sometimes you just got to go out there and play, you know. And uh, the nerves will eventually get there, but once you start going out and playing and enjoying the game, they're going to go away. And I think that's one thing that he's hoping to see from his team is the fact that he does have some experience. Some of it may not be in the NCAA tournament with some of the guys like Mac McClung, 
Uh, Marcus Santa Silva certainly has some, but he's expecting his guys that have already been in that grinder, as we talked about, of the Big 12 Conference. He's going to hope that that has helped them in terms of just, just the experience and then just knowing that every night or every game you play is going to be a difficult proposition. And I think that's what the NCAA tournament is going to present for them. But I think they've already prepared for that by being in the Big 12 Conference. Yeah, certainly the conference has helped them be prepared because I think it was the best conference this season. And within the conference season, they had a couple of times where uh, they missed some ball games. How much do you think that affected their team? Now, they should be past that, but in terms of maybe, you know, if they would have played and not sat out, I think it was a week or two that maybe they'd have a little bit better record. Uh, they might, but I think uh, that's something that Chris Beard will say. It's just not an excuse. Like, he was just prepared. I mean, go, going into this, you, you knew there was going to be a point where you would miss some games or you were going to have some things that were postponed, which is what happened with Texas Tech. You look at Baylor, uh, things were really, really kind of uh, mixed up for them. But I think with Texas Tech, I think the one thing they needed most of all was just to play games. And, uh, again, not the most ideal situation, but I think the fact that they were able to get back on track later on in the season, uh, minus the two losses to Baylor and Texas to end the season, Texas, of course, being in the Big 12 quarterfinal game, but before that, they went on a three-game winning streak against Texas at home, beating TCU, beating Iowa State. I think those three were the biggest things because you kind of got on a roll, you saw what was working. And then you saw some guys step up, like I said, a clearance of the only Tyreek Smith. So I think for what they wanted to accomplish before the season ended, minus the loss and obviously not getting the Big 12 title, I think that's certainly a positive for Texas Tech just to kind of see their guys playing well down the stretch. Really, that kind of surprises me a little bit because I thought that 3-5 and five finish with the loss to Iowa State, who was you know just way worse than the rest of the league, that – People would look at that and say, "This is a team that didn't play its best ball down the finish, down the stretch." Well, the the thing is, is the last two teams they played were two ranked teams. Number three Baylor on the road, and they kept that one pretty close up until the end. Then you look at Texas again, 67-66. It was just one of those where you have the last, the, the team that has the ball last kind of gets the gets the victory. And it was Texas that went went for the layup, Kyler Edwards appeared to get all ball, but he was called for a foul, and Texas was able to get the two-game winning for uh, the game tied and then game-winning free throws. So, again, it's just one of those things where you feel like you're close, and, again, before that, they had three straight wins. So it, it's just one of those things where, again, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the, the positive side of things in terms of you had those three straight wins, you were looking good, and then all of a sudden you still played well against Baylor. It's not like you got – blown out like some of these other teams that have played the Bears. And then Texas, it's just one of those, it's the 50-50 type game. And uh, unfortunately, they just came out on the wrong side of it. Yeah, and they had beat Texas uh, when you talk about that three-game winning streak. That was the start of it at the end of February. And uh, BYU could run into Texas. Could you tell us a little bit what your impressions are about Texas? Most athletic team in the Big 12 is the best thing I can tell you. Their, Their bigs are incredible. Uh, I know everyone's going to talk about Greg Brown, but Kai Jones is certainly another really good forward that can step out and make a three. But the thing that makes them go is their guards, Coleman, Ramey, and Jones. If they're able to get going, which is what 
Texas Tech has been able to do at times, but then, of course, if you slow down the guards, that means the posts are going to really kind of start to to get going. So that's the one thing about Texas is they've got so many offensive weapons. It's just a matter of you kind of pick your poison. And for Texas Tech, that was trying to get the guards into foul trouble, which they were able to do in that game where they did lose by one point. But uh, that's really what a a team that is playing the long board is going to have to do. You're going to have to get some of those guys into foul trouble because if not, going to be a very difficult day uh, on the defensive end well carlos we appreciate the time thanks for coming on and sharing a little uh, texas tech red raider basketball knowledge with us hey anytime appreciate y'all carlos silva jr he covers the texas tech red raiders for the lubbock avalanche journal and it is texas tech and utah state in the ncaa tournament opener you feel differently about picking that game not that our predictions are worth all that much but for whatever they're worth and people want them you feel different after talking to them I don't know that I feel different. I feel like this is going to be a, a, a not when I say slugfest, not in terms of offensive, you know, in the high eighties, nineties type deal. I think it's going to be more of a grinded out, uh, tough possession oriented game. And I don't think that Texas Tech is prolific offensively. And Akeda, you know, as he said, he was taking it from the positive from Texas Tech standpoint when I asked him about Kata, because you look at the roster of Texas Tech and it is basically uh, a bunch of six, seven guys up front. Well, Kata's clearly bigger than that, yep. right? And he's really good. And so I look at it, you know, and I'm probably looking at it from the Aggie angle because it doesn't do me any good to have Texas Tech win. That doesn't help our show. Uh, that uh, Utah State, well, man, how are you going to stop this kid? I mean, and I could throw Bean at you guys, and he's roughly, you know, he's basically the same t- height as the mm-hmm. tallest guys that Texas Tech plays, and he's athletic enough, and he's a good player and all that stuff. So, you know, he can have some opportunity to do some stuff, but what's going to happen with Kata? Kata has the potential, obviously, as he said, if he can stay out of foul trouble, to have a really big game here. Yeah. Because he's taller. He's probably better. And I haven't watched a ton of Texas Tech basketball, but I do think the Big 12 is one heck of a conference. So then I balance that out. You know, what would Texas Tech have done if they were in the Mountain West? Would they have won it going away? Probably not because San Diego State is is pretty good. And the Mountain West did have a good uh, conference at the top this year. But, you know, that's not as good as the Big 12. So all those things, you factor into it, and it adds to me as a, a lot of intrigue. I don't follow basketball lines, but I wouldn't think the line, if Texas Tech is favored, would be very much. All right, DJ and PK, coming up, everything you missed in this show, we will get you up to speed next. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. March Madness is here, and now it's time to put that college basketball knowledge to the test. It's the Zone Bracket Challenge, where you can compete against the Zone hosts as well as Zone listeners. Oh my goodness! Log on now to 1280zonebracket.com to fill out your bracket for a chance to win a Nordic Track X22i bike. Valued at over $2,000 as well as other great prices. It's the Zone Bracket Challenge, going on now at 1280zonebracket.com. Presented by the store, SNS Roofing, Bullfrog Spas, and Elite Works. Oh, and then I just for the Final Four, I just have Gonzaga, BYU, Baylor, and West Virginia. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Sister Jean, Loyola Chicago superfan. The most famous nun associated with the NCAA tournament. Icon, I think we should go with. Okay, we can go with Icon. 
That's BYU <laughs> to the final four. Make it happen, Sister Jean. Okay, which if Sister Jean is correct, which one is true? Ooh, good question. <laughs> Faith crises coming up. Are we going to the Vatican? Are we going to Salt Lake? <laughs> Maybe neither. She just knows how to fill out a bracket. Oh, of course you would deny faith. That's so you. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Got a long history of that. Three times before the cock crows. Coo, coo, coo. What was that? Crowing. <laughs> okay. Feels like someone stepped on a pigeon. All right. We just had on Carlos Silva Jr. covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. He laid things out. You were just talking about the game. Uh, Texas Tech is a four-point favorite, PK. They defend. They rebound. They're athletic. They don't match up with Kata. So they also play a lot of low-scoring games. They've won a few games where they allowed 70 points. But basically, if you get to 70, you beat Texas Tech. And that, that, is, that is a winning number. 65 might be. There are a lot of teams. Texas Tech is held to 60 points and below. And we have seen Utah State struggle to get to 20 points in the first half of three of their last four games. So the offense has got to be cooking a little bit. And however they do it, whether it's Kata is bigger than the front line, if they collapse on Kata and he throws it out, three-point shooters have got to hit their open shots. I don't care if they do it in fast break, offensive rebounds, whatever, they got to score. 65 might win the game, 70 will. But if you're in the 50s, good luck with that. Yeah, but you can say that about any team, any time. Uh, if you're in the 50s, good luck with that. That's just not a, an offensive production that you can count on to win very many games with the three-point line. Yeah, Kata's going to have to make quick decisions because my guess is they're going to at least double, if not triple them. So these guys got to keep moving, move the spaces to where the defense vacated. So being cutting to the hoop type of deal and then these shooters – I mean, we can. I can name them for you, Ashworth and so forth, and Brock Miller, and these guys got to make some shots, man. Make some outside shots. Put some pressure on Texas Tech to realize, man, we just can't rely on our defense. We're going to have to make shots because this other team's getting shots. And they should have open shots, too, because I can't imagine they're just going to allow Utah State to throw the ball into Cata and have him be single-covered by someone who is three or four inches shorter than he is. We also talked BYU. They are waiting for the winner of tonight's game between Michigan State and UCLA. Bruins have lost four in a row, all the tournament teams. You have documented a couple of injuries that have set them back big time over the course of this season. Michigan State started 2-7 and seven in the Big Ten. Played a lot better to get to this position, or they wouldn't even be in the tournament, obviously. Uh, but 7-5 and five in their last 12, and two losses to Maryland. I mean, they've beaten some very good teams. They split with Michigan. They beat Ohio State and Illinois, so that's all impressive. The two losses to Maryland, does that give UCLA or in the next round BYU a little bit of hope that, hey, Michigan State's good, but they're also beatable? Well, of course they're beatable. That's why they're in a play-in game. And they're not near record-wise to what they were. But, I, you know, I'm not close to the situation. And with COVID, how much of that factor in and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of crazy. You know, I was watching on last Saturday, and they had the title games. And uh, 
the ACC, Georgia Tech, oh, Josh Pastner, he was a walk-on at Arizona, and I remember him. And they've arrived, they've won the conference. Well, yeah, I mean, they had a bye into the finals that Virginia couldn't play. And how do we even know they would have beaten Virginia? It's just, it's screwy. Now, I'm not going to discount the team who wins, or if you get NCAA wins and say they're illegitimate, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go so far as that. But at the same time, things are screwy this year. So maybe that's somewhat of an effect on how things turned out for some teams, but some teams were able to handle it better than others, all these types of things. And when the ball goes up, it doesn't really matter. And so if the Cougars should be playing Michigan State, what they did against Maryland, because, I mean, I can offshoot that. Um, they have, in terms of wins and seeding anyway, they have probably uh, top five representative wins there. You're going to have to play well. That's what it boils down to, as opposed to trying to dissect this or that versus the opponent. When you get out on the floor, you're going to have to play well. That's what we know to be true. And that brings us to the Jazz. Are they going to get on the floor and play well against the Wizards? If the Jazz play well, you would think that they would win comfortably against a Wizard team that's going back-to-back after losing to Sacramento at the buzzer. A Wizards team that's 11 games under five hundred. No Mike Conley, hamstring management. Nothing to worry about. Sounds precautionary. That's Hammy Man. Hammy Man. He should be back for Tampa Bay and the Toronto Raptors. But... They're 7-0 when he's been out. So if they play well, then no worries. I guess the question is, will they play well? Or the soft turnovers you were talking about, is that going to haunt them? Is that going to the last guy you want to throw the ball to, just loosely just lob it in the direction of Russell Westbrook because he's going to fly 60 or 80 feet, whatever it is, and throw that thing down. And you don't need that. Well, Ish Smith is out for Washington. Now, how do I know that? Is because somehow I am on a 19-person text chain that includes a bunch of jazz media folks, I guess, because I don't even know most of the folks on here. I don't have them in my pro programmed in my phone, so I don't know what their names are. But uh, somehow I'm I'm on this. Today I learned that Ish Smith is still in the league. Ish, what did you say about Ish Smith? I, today I learned that he is still in the league. Uh, well, he's got a cool first name. He does. And I guess if your last name is Smith, you don't want it to be Bob, right? And go <laughs> Uh So they're going back and forth on this injury report. And, uh, you know, about uh, is it uh, Westbrook going to be out? Because, uh, you know, he's getting up there. And the, the Wizards really, they're, they're not playing for anything right now, right? They've got one of the five worst records in the NBA. So if Russell Westbrook or Bradley Beal start taking games off for small things, tank mode, I don't know if it'll pay off in the lottery, but if you think it might give you better odds, it wouldn't be surprising if they did it. Uh, so, but Ishmith apparently, that's according to Locke, that's official word is Ishmith is out. So uh, is that advantage Jazz or advantage Washington? You got Hammy Man and Ishmith out. Fun with words. And that's really all we have at the end of the day is words. <laughs> Uh, the West last night, the Clippers were the uh, the best team that got beat, and they got beat pretty soundly. Dallas was in control of that game most of the way. They win 105-89. Luka Doncic did whatever he wanted and ended up with 42 points and 9 assists and the victory. What a flare. Yeah. Is Playing Denver going to ca- catch the Clippers? How far are the Clippers falling here? 
They're free falling. Tom Petty, ladies and gentlemen, there he is. Uh, Tom Petty tribute band is going to be down at Tuacon, I think, uh, maybe even later this month, next month, if you're interested, want to get down there. Clippers are one game in front of the Nuggets. Clippers are fourth, Nuggets are fifth. Denver's like been to a top four team two years in a row. I would like to see that matchup in the first round. That would be that would be pretty good, wouldn't it? Right. If the Jazz stay in the one spot, then we'd all be watching it. Assuming the Jazz handle the eight, they get the winner of the four five series. Clippers Nuggets, absolutely. Know the teams, know the players, ought to be competitive. Denver's won a couple of seven-game first-round series the last two years. That might set up as a long series, too. Yeah, I'd be interested in that one. That, that, that would capture my attention for sure. I mean, just about anyone in the West would be, particularly as you angle for the Jazz to see, well, could they face this team, face that team? Uh, and if it plays out, probably going to face the Lakers, uh, see where the Lakers finish. Looking at uh, possibly second round and against the Suns, how would that be for the Suns? Would they? Would the Suns even win the first round? I don't know. I don't know any of that stuff, but I know when we get there, I'm gonna be interested in finding out. Uh, other games in the NBA, the uh, the Nuggets keep it rolling. They are uh, they are eight and two in their last ten, and they beat the Hornets one twenty nine to one oh four. You see, Michael. Uh, Porter doing the uh, yeah. LeBron-ish no-look three in the corner. I mean, he didn't talk to his teammates, so it wasn't quite the same thing. He didn't put a bet down on it, but <laughs> the spin no-look run back down the court, he did do that. He had 28 points, 13 boards. You know, that's, the, that's, the, that's the guy Nugget fans are hoping he'll be. Oh, for sure, yeah. When you talk about the proverbial X factor on that team, I think Porter is your guy. Because, you know, Jokic didn't have a big scoring game. He didn't need it. I think he only took seven shots from the field. I think it was like six or seven. Uh, he did some other stuff. He had the, the digits, double digits, I think, in the rebounds and the assists. Uh, and Jamal Murray, you know, normally you can pencil him in for 18, 19, maybe as much as 25, 26. Uh, but what are they going to do? You need more than that. You know, the Jazz have a lot of balance. The Nuggets don't have a lot of balance, but if Porter can do what he did, then yeah, he he makes them very good and dangerous in the postseason. Former uh, NBA star, former uh, BYU Cougar Sean Bradley suffered a traumatic spinal cord injury that left him paralyzed after being hit by a car from behind while riding his bike a block from his home in St. George on January 20th. He underwent neck fusion surgery and has spent the past eight weeks hospitalized and undergoing rehabilitation and obviously tragic for Bradley and his, his family and his friends. And PK, you were recounting a long list of people that you know or are associated yeah. with who've yeah. been in really serious, in some cases, fatal bike wrecks. Absolutely. I told you Kirk Craigthorpe's sister-in-law, his wife's sister, riding a bike. I think if I remember the story, she was out on a lunch break somewhere on the west side and got mowed down. And then one of my friends that is I play in a little men's league out of River Oaks, we do nine holes on Tuesdays, and his sister, his sister, and her husband were out down in Utah County, and guy mowed into him, killed her, just friggin' killed her, man, blew her up, and uh, 
uh, husband lived, but obviously had all sorts of issues there. Yeah, another friend of mine, a dentist, got run over. Gosh, man, it's, it's just scary. It's scary. And Sean Bradley, is he going to be uh, paralyzed for the rest of his life? I mean, how bad would that suck? A another lot. friend, of, a friend of mine, um, a motorcycle a car pulled out, and he tried to sway. And this is just a couple months back, and uh, he got his leg amputated below the the knee, his left leg. Oh my goodness, man! Wow, these just incredible tragedies. Other topics we have had, uh, we have been discussing this morning. Uh, one of them was assisting BYU and Utah State in killing time on the road after Alex Barcelo with a fairly humorous list of ways to kill time in a hotel. Now, they're, they're getting down to it here. They're not to game time yet. At least tonight, BYU will watch UCLA, Michigan State and see oh, who they're going to play. They've got more than 48 hours to go. Who? How? How can you kill time in a hotel? Uh, I'm a charades is always a good game. <laughs> charades. You don't need anything, you know. You just stand up and away you go. You could right? do it all on video. You could zoom, zoom charades. I'm sure they got multiple whiteboards. Pictionary, baby. Pictionary. The thing with Pictionary is, I absolutely suck at drawing. You and me both. I have zero, zero artistic skill. Yeah, nothing. Why all do you think I you work can in radio? do. I only have one skill. If you can call it a skill, that is it. And I have the ability to pop off. And you do it at a very elite level. And that's that's it, though. Now, fortunately for me, thank Sister Jean's God, thank your God, and it's probably the same God, I was able to find a way to make money off of it. Or else I would be just useless. And I'm virtually useless as it is. But Pictionary, I hated playing that because I can't draw a thing beyond a stick figure. Yeah, I got nothing for you there. I'm going to criticize nobody's uh, artwork because I don't want anyone to see mine. I had a roommate in college who was just a big-time artist. Oh, my goodness. And he'd sit around and he went to ASU and he'd draw naked people all day long. Uh, my dad is talented. My mother-in-law's talented. My daughter's talented. But it skipped me. I got nothing for you. And it used to bug me because he would do his homework and he would just blast the music. Because it's like he didn't have to read anything. You know what I mean? It wasn't that type where I'm doing homework. I got to go in a, in, a, in a building that, you know, he has no sound or else two sentences into it, I've lost my attention. Particularly on all the elective courses that you had to take. And you didn't care about anthropology, but you had to take it to get the degree, right? You know what I mean? And so it always used to bug me. I'd have to leave because he would blast the music because he'd be doing all this drawing stuff. So he could just have the music going. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm trying to concentrate. i got to memorize right. a list here. You're killing Right. And that, his concentration actually was enhanced by music. Got the creative juices flowing. Yeah, and he was really, really talented. And they had a toga night, a place called Freddy's. And we went, and he wore a towel, one of those towels that you would get at, at uh, a game to wipe the sweat. Huh. So not even like a beach towel, just a little towel. That's what he wore. That's confidence. He was a killer with the ladies, and I went along with him. 
and we'd have this plan where he'd start talking to them, and in order to get their names, he would uh, he would act like he knew them, but he really didn't. And then he would introduce me, and then that person, the lady, would introduce would, herself. You'd say to me, "I'm PK," yeah. and then they'd say whatever their name yeah. is, and then he'd have their name. And so we're at this place in Freddy's, and it's jammed. It's a dive bar just uh, east of ASU. It's probably not there anymore. But it's, it's just packed. It's like on a Monday night. And I could remember there was this guy standing over my left shoulder, and he tells this other guy, he says, can you look, look at this guy? And you could tell because it went up his hip. All he has on is like an athletic towel. And he's telling his friend. And the guy who's telling his friend who was standing to my left, you may have heard of him because his name was Byron Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You know, we don't do much over the course of this, uh, of the run we've had here. You know, radio's changed in a lot of ways for a lot of reasons. And one thing we used to do a lot of that we don't do anymore, that Scotty, Scotty G as our leader does not believe has any impact whatsoever is, you know, doing a lot of giveaways. Right, used to be hourly, if not twice an hour. Giveaway, 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 giveaway. Right, and Scotty doesn't think it has any impact of the ratings at all, and we've kind of gotten away from that. But can you imagine back in the day when we we're giving stuff away? If if we had the technology to give away time travel, so you could go hang out with the ASU version of PK for 24 <laughs> hours, can you imagine what the phones would look like, Yak? Just the curiosity factor alone. Well, we all grow up. <laughs> right? <laughs> College is a unique time in our lives. And you are surrounded by unique people you will not be surrounded by again. But you got more stories. <laughs> all right, DJ and PK, when we come back, your feedback, everything you got to say about today's show on the way. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your feedback, what you have to say about today's show. Sister Jean has picked BYU to the Final Four. Do you believe in miracles? You put that up on our Facebook page, PK. I put it up on Twitter, and on Twitter it has 108 likes. I take that to mean there are a lot of BYU fans who are hoping Sister Jean can make a miracle happen. <laughs> Sister Jean. Yeah. Sister Jean, make a miracle happen. Well, BYU to the Final Four. Will they canonize her if this if she pulls this off? They will in Provo. Saint Sister Jean? <laughs> I don't know what the Vatican will have to say Just about saying. it, but I got a good idea what the Marriott Center will have to say about it. I have good point. Big old picture of Sister Jean up on the wall. Sister Jean is my lover in terms of predicting BYU to the Final Four. Not the perfect lyrics. You're going to have to perfect those. <laughs> There might be something there, but it's going to take some work. Rhino says the good sister Lola is just trolling Ute fans because we covet her coach. <laughs> Way to tie multiple storylines together, Rhino. Those are a Rick Majerus disciple. See? I seriously doubt that she has any knowledge of that. I could be wrong. She's 101 years no. old, so I think she's got a little experience. Yeah, I mean, she's a miracle just being 101 years old yeah. and being able to be as, uh, what, as with it or however you want to say it. I mean, that's just incredible. Eldrick tweets at us. Uh, technically, if you, uh, Eldrick Woods, yes. That is Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Eldrick Woods at LKR Room Talk. Uh, technically, if you go to BYU, then I would consider being on campus as a holdup. I think they might have a competitive advantage based on that. Uh, that's not bad. Yeah. Who's, who's more prepared for a week in a hotel doing nothing than somebody who goes to BYU? That's basically uh, Eldrick's point. But I'm pretty sure if you want to do whatever, you can do it in Provo or the surrounding communities. Uh, there are all kinds of stories about people driving to Salt Lake and to Park City and to Heber City. Collect those stories easily if you prefer. That's why I moved to Sandy, because there's no stories about that. No, there really isn't, Sandy. <laughs> it's as boring as it gets. <laughs> Your religious neighborhood in Sandy, as JT once said. <laughs> one of the all-timers, you and I look at each other like, oh, boy. <laughs> Tell me which one isn't. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Uh, oh, wow. This is, uh, this is old school right here. Sister Jean has picked BYU to the Final Four. Do you believe in miracles? And Carol Merrill <laughs> tweets back at us, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Carol Merrill. Nice, Carol. Who's Carol Merrill? Carol Merrill was on a game show a long time ago. And it was, um, I think it was Let's Make a Deal. And the, oh, the gal when they'd open up the yeah, boxes do or, you the want, or whatever? Yeah, do you okay, want okay, whatever gotcha, prize gotcha, you've gotcha. just won, or do you want what's in the box that Carol Merrill is standing next to? Gotcha. I knew I knew that name. Right. Yeah. Carol Merrill. <laughs> and honestly, you could show me a picture for a million bucks. I couldn't tell you who she was, but I just remember the name because Carol Merrill rhymes. Carol Merrill. She's, she's sort of the former day Vanna White. Yes. Yes, you're right. Vanna White before Vanna. Vanna followed in her foot. In her fo- Vanna followed in her lucrative footsteps. Yeah. How do you kill the time at the hotel? Brian Skinner says watching the General Conference archives. Okay, that'll kill time. <laughs> that'll kill time. <laughs> Two hours at a time, one after another. Yeah, they shortened about an hour thirty. So they're shorter now. Yeah, they are shorter. Well, go old school because you got more time to kill. Man, this need president has come in and made a them. whole bunch you, you, of changes, huh? They are making lots of changes, yes, but they do have a lot of archival footage that you can watch in that regard. Jeff Williams says they need to stage a Monopoly tournament. How long does a Monopoly game take? Is that about a is that about a ninety minute game? Two hours? You get a tournament. You get a you get uh, you got a team and coaches. You got a sixteen team bracket. That'd kill some time. That's that's too intense for me. That's like <laughs> going to the movies and watching Schindler's List. <laughs> you know, I mean, I realize it's important and all, but man, man that's heavy. Uh, it is. It is. <laughs> uh, one um, what was a Meryl Streep uh, World War II movie that was such. Uh, Did she Sophie's speak in choice? An accent? Probably. I mean, it's kind of why you hire Meryl. Why, why did you pay the extra for Meryl Streep? Because you need I the accent. I absolutely hate that. I, so, I promise you, I will never watch another Meryl Streep movie. Sophie, Sophie's Choice is one. If you haven't seen it, you'll be that. Well, I'm going to choose not to watch so Sophie's heavy. Choice. Yeah. I don't want heavy. I, I want know. light and fluffy. Uh, we did have the list of basketball movies. Long list of basketball movies to kill time. Get yourself in the right mood. You got a favorite basketball movie? One you put at the well, top I mean, of the list? I mean, the Hoosiers one is iconic, isn't it? Yes, it is. 
Is there anything more iconic than Hoosiers? No, yeah, but you want fun. You just want laughs. I mean, if Will Ferrell makes a basketball movie, all right, there's going to be some slapstick humor in that. I mean, you want something light and airy. That's, oh, that's the cotton candy of movies right there. Tasted good. I don't know what it was, but it's gone now. Well, Melted yeah, away. Follow that up with an Adam Sandler one. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but I don't think when we think of basketball, I don't think anything supersedes Hoosiers. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Telling childhood stories uh, earlier because Alex Barcelo said uh, hide-and-go-seek, which uh, played a lot of as a kid. Greg says, DJ, tell the childhood story when you pretended to be really sick and tricked Dan Fouts into paying you a visit. What? <laughs> That's a Brady Bunch. That's how they had Joe Namath on the Mr. show. Mr. Fouts, I don't yeah. feel good. Really? Bobby pretended to be sick. and it, Bobby, was, Bobby and Cindy cooked up something where Which Bobby— Which one's Bobby? The youngest. The, the youngest boy and the youngest girl kick, cooked up this scheme to get Joe Namath to visit, and they wrote a letter that Bobby was dying, and Joe got the letter and felt all guilt tripped and showed and knocked on the door, and Alice is looking at him like, what are you doing here, you know? Because <laughs> they, they had celebrity walk-ons. Don Drysdale was on the show. I, can, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. I, yeah, remember the, yeah. I don't remember the Joe Namath Namath one. ended up in the backyard playing catch with Greg Brady. Yep. You have his phone number. You went over and interviewed him at the uh, Liberty Park tennis courts. Called Barry Williams. I have Williams. spoken to Barry, Barry on the phone. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah, well, go talk uh, to Barry and say, Barry, you really played catch with Joe Namath when you were a teenager? So Joe Namath? I, yeah, I don't remember that at all. I remember that episode in a rerun. Joe Namath was on that show and... And he showed up the door, and who answered all? I don't know. I, I assume Alice. It could have been the parents. They, they were all fr- the, all the adults were freaked out that Joe Namath showed up, and then they had to get to the bottom of what he's doing there. And you know, Bobby, and then they realized Bobby lied because there was always a See, moral. I to know the Scotty's story. now getting a little nervous, but we do have an Alice story that involves that involves DJ. Scotty's Scotty's listening because he texted us. <laughs> so, and who did what, to Alice? <laughs> Never mind. Yes, please recreate Scotty that drop to go so to I can hold on to it. Show. By the way, Scotty, what Scotty texts us about is he doesn't want to hang out with ASU PK. He wants Northern Arizona PK. I don't even want to hang out with Northern Arizona PK. <laughs> you didn't want to hang out with Northern Arizona PK when you were Northern Arizona PK. That's why you transferred to ASU. I know. And I went to UCSB. Of all the things I'm doing, a winner in Flagstaff sounds awful. Especially for the bunch of people from Phoenix who aren't used to it. Yeah, I'll hang out with high school PK, and I'll hang out with ASU PK, but NAU PK can go up to 7,000 feet and sit in the snow all winter by himself. I'm not cut out for that. Coming up, Scotty G and Hans next. And uh, ask Hans about Between Two Ferns if you want. He's having a lot of fun on Twitter with that. DJ PK, they're on the way.